Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, January the 21st, 2015, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm here with Steve Say. Yeah. Mr. Bob Ryer. Good evening. And featuring the triumphant return of Ms. Stephanie Cook. Hola. Stephanie, welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am here. I have returned. So I'm you sent in your so votes sad. last week. I did. For the awards. Did you did you actually look at who won? Sort of. I looked at the Twitter <laughs> feed because uh, I saw that it was doing. You guys were having the live stream going on. Yes. So while I was mm-hmm. at the airport, um, I was like checking in and being like, "Yeah!" And I saw the one where it was like Bobby's championing, champion, championing <laughs> in real life, and I was like, "Yeah!" I'm just. <laughs> it was, I was really excited, and uh, then I got on my airplane and uh, made it home. Lost my. Yeah, I did. I did make it home with no flight problems or anything, which Ooh. was delightful. It's pretty amazing. It is. It's pretty amazing. It really is. The last flight I had, um, it was like a two-hour flight, and I had a screaming, like, top of your lungs, screaming, crying child sitting directly behind me that kicked my seat violently oh. for the entire two hours. I wanted to die. Or wish the windows and would open. Here's, here's the kicker on this one. Like... No pun intended. Uh, before the flight, um, I was like, I just want to go home. And uh, the guy at the podium's like, oh, we overbooked the flight. Uh-oh, whoopsies. Uh, we're offering a $1,000 flight voucher, a hotel, and uh, food for tonight and tomorrow for anyone who w- is willing to give up their seat. And I was like, nah, that's really good. But I just want to go home. And then like, I got on the plane. I'm like, can I volunteer? Someone can have it. Someone can have it. Uh, so, good times. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> it. Uh, so uh, we are back for our first sort of regular episode of, of 2015. We haven't talked about related current event comic book type things in like over a month. It's been a long time. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> so, I haven't talked to you guys at all for like it's true. over a month. It's true. You haven't no. talked to us since the last time we recorded. You were on that last show we recorded. Yeah, the Joshua Williamson show. You were on it. You, half of it, yeah. Half of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so that is the last time that, that we have spoken. Um, Steve just had his birthday. I did. Happy birthday. On Thank m- you. Monday. Yeah. I was going to say yesterday, but that's not true if this is Wednesday. <laughs> time travel. Happy birthday to you, Steve. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, as a birthday present to you, Marvel gave us real news on a tuesday afternoon oh i knew i knew yeah. about that i got the card in the mail this morning <laughs> yeah. uh for the for the first time uh, i think ever you know uh, this if it had been regular talking comics luck it would have broken tomorrow afternoon yeah and we would have talked about it next week after all of the 
after all of the fervor had had well, I got, died down. I got the card today because there was no mail mm. yesterday, and I opened it up, and it was just a card with Spider-Man on the front <laughs> and a picture of Tom Brevoort inside with a big winking face, <laughs> kind of like the internet dogs. Yeah. Like ah. <laughs> Um, so uh, we have a bunch of stuff to talk about, one of which is that big Marvel Secret Wars news, which we're going to lead off with, but we're also going to talk about um, a bunch of the stuff that happened in, in the time when we were gone. Uh, well, we'll talk about uh, end-of-year sales numbers, Ooh. which have come out. We'll talk about uh, Agent Carter. We're, we're going to talk about Ant-Man, both trailer and a little bit about the, the book that came out. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about the unbeatable Squirrel Girl a, a little bit. Squee. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we're going to talk about the new Star Wars comic that came out as well, which obviously was big, big news. Uh, and that was actually current. That's actually last <laughs> week that it came out. Uh, so we will get to all of that. Um, but first, let's let's talk about uh, the big news that broke today. Um, we've obviously been hearing for a very long time. Uh, the, the, the banners on all of the Avengers books have been time is running out. We've been joking about it for a very long time. Uh, there's been rumors of, you know reboots and not reboots and what does this all mean and we've known secret wars is coming for a long time but on tuesday afternoon um live from midtown comics uh tom brevoort and axel alonzo kind of opened the curtain on what secret wars is actually going to be and you know isn't it an event to change the universe forever it is Bobby? is it it, it is an announcement to end all announcements it was <laughs> the, the thing about this announcement is that um, well, we, forever is a very long time. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it is going to drastically change the the Marvel universe completely. Um, we have we have two. Um, we have the the Marvel the Marvel six one six universe and the Ultimate Universe combining, um, and factors from both universes will continue afterwards. But what they've called. Secret Wars and more than Battle World, which is going to be the the kind of world that forms out of all of these universes kind of crashing together, um, is the kind of kiln that the new Marvel universe is going to be is going to be shaped in, um, and it's going to have elements of a bunch of these different universes. So, you know, when we started talking about John Hickman's Avengers all those years ago, the incursion events, this seems to be the culmination of all of those mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the the six one six heroes fail to stop. An incursion event, and that is what well, how Battle World gets formed. Um, a bunch of big, big quotes, and I'll read some of the quotes, and then we'll go over, you know, uh, uh, you know, our reactions and all of this stuff to, to what's going on. Um, and I want to thank Hugh Perry, uh, our news, one of our news guys, for posting up a, an awesome story about this. Yeah. Um, and thank you to Steve as well, who put together some bullet points. Very welcome. Um, for the, today for for this whole thing. Um, so this is from this is just a couple quotes. Uh, the Ultimate Universe and the Marvel Universe—they're going to slap together. Um, this is for, from Axel Alonso. He said, "Imagine two pizzas. They're going to combine toppings. Some toppings are going to drop off. And what is the Marvel Universe moving forward? It's more than the Marvel Universe and the Ultimate Universe. It's all the universes you can imagine. That is the Marvel Universe going forward." Um, did not leave what. They left the pizza metaphor. You know that it's going to be shit if they can't even stick to their pizza metaphor. <laughs> it, it was, it was, it, the, the pizza metaphor is a bad metaphor. I don't understand. Like, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> if we end up with one of those Monsters. California pizzas with you know pineapple and ham yeah. on instead of cheese and tomatoes, I'm not going to be well, happy. Well, pineapple and ham is, is okay on a pizza. Tom Brevoort elaborated saying, once you hit Secret Wars number one, there's no Marvel Universe. There's no Ultimate Universe. It's all Battle World. None of these stories uh, are what-ifs, are alternate reality stories, Alonzo added, and they will have legs. They will impact new things in the Marvel Universe going forward. Um, so the current Avengers lines are going to feed into Secret Wars, like, like I said. 
um, and uh, one of the to, you know the, one of the incursions they're going to fail to stop. So this is what's going to lead to secret wars happening. Um, so Brevoort spoke of the new battle world, saying it, that it is melting uh, melting world from which the new Marvel universe will be fermented. He referred to it as um, the Doritos from the resulting combined Marvel universe. Various characters will live their lives and, and contend with this new situation and set up all the building blocks and the bedrock of what the new Marvel universe will be going forward. Um, so it's going to kick off on uh, Free Comic Book Day with a book to kind of get people caught up on, on the events. If you haven't been reading Avengers, they said you can read this book and then be able to go out. I have no idea how that's going to yeah, be possible. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a free encyclopedia. Yeah, exactly. Considering that Jonathan Hickman uh, has been writing it. Um, all text, no pictures. <laughs> um, so Axel Alonso rounded out the press conference by saying, this is putting a, a, an end cap to decades of stories and starting a new era. When you see the scope of the stories, you'll see what we're willing to do. If we wanted to resurrect Gwen Stacy, this would be the place to do it, wouldn't it? If you ever wondered what would happen if you take the Age of Ultron universe and push it next to the Marvel Zombies universe, this would be the place to do it. Secret Wars will be a great jumping on point uh, for new fans. Uh, Secret Wars, <laughs> written by Jonathan Hickman <laughs> and from Esad Ribic, will begin in May 2015. Um, they're also they're partnering with a lot of like toy companies, um, yep. oh, Funko shocker. Pop, We Are Fine, a bunch of places mm-hmm. uh, to put a bunch of merchandise that goes along with with all this all, what they all... want to capitalize on an event let's stephanie i'm sorry stephanie you, if you're going if you're going to talk about it and you're going to criticize it you have to do it in a in, in a real way and not just in a snarky way okay <laughs> that is the I'm rules just, for this conversation i don't I care am... what you say about it because i have no personal investment in this but you need to do it in a way that's not just you being a snark machine okay <laughs> i am genuinely shocked <laughs> <laughs> all right that's what your Twitter account's for. <laughs> you can be as snarky as you want on your Twitter account. I can? Yes. Well, yeah, I think so. Anybody? <laughs> I think we should oh, just need to look at your last 40 tweets and everyone will know. At least my first tears of the year are from laughing. This yeah. is great. <laughs> That's how you start. No, but I'm interested. I, like, I, I was really dark. Obviously. Yeah. I, I think that we, I think that People listening can probably get a gauge already of what a lot of us are going to say about this. <laughs> no, uh, I haven't said anything yet. No, I know, I know. Um, but I have, I have a kind of a, a pitch I want to give, but I want to hear um, from Stephanie first and then from Bob. All right, so Stephanie, um, lay it on me. We know you're not interested in it, obviously. Yeah, okay. Let's, like, I will try to leave as much snark uh, out of this and give an objective-ish opinion. Well, that's the objective. It can be subjective, just not, um, not, not well, so snarky. okay. So first of all, I hate events. Right. We know this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really truly believe that Marvel is no longer part of the big two socket because they don't know that people are over this shit. Um, all right. That didn't start off so objective. Um, anyways, but, you know, like Spider-Woman for me, that should have been a great jumping on point. And I'm sure somebody at Marvel was like, this is a tie-in to an event. It's going to be a great jumping on point for new fans, just like they're saying now. And guess what? I didn't even make it through the first issue of that book. I don't know if I've ever done that. It was so bad. And, like, I kind of get this feeling, this hinky feeling, that they're kind of wanting to do something like that with Gwen Stacy's book. And I'm just not on board with it. Um, I really fear for the titles that I'm enjoying from Marvel right now, that because of this event, they're all going to get just flushed down the toilet. And I'm just really sick of that. I'm really over it. I love the stuff that I love from Marvel. Really and truly do. I think Marvel is putting out 
a ton of really amazing books and they can't see that by doing these, you know, big, it's gonna change the universe forever things. I love your Marvel they are voice. They're isolating their readers. And I'm just, I could not care less about what they're doing. That's it. All right, Bob. I'm very happy that there are some books that I'm enjoying that are now canceled. So they don't get dragged into this, so that X Factor and Invaders and She Hulk will be outside this, so they're not affected by the They'll be rolling the over in their graves. <laughs> Thank you for that. I like that. Um, there's a real chance that there are some books that are going to lose momentum if they're dragged into the maelstrom of we have to tell this other story while it's going on. So that there are books just finding their way, and whether that's Black Widow or Ms. Marvel, Captain Marvel, uh, the new Thor that could be affected by this in the same way we saw happen with Infinity, where some of the times worked very well and others it derailed storytelling. From a business model standpoint, the Ultimate Universe was such a success, we want to merge with that one? I don't really get that. Those books, they decided to end most of that. There was some great storytelling in a few books, but... I don't want to see the ultimate Fantastic Four be the Fantastic Four that's in these books. That's going to be like watching this awful movie that's coming. Trailer is coming soon, apparently. <laughs> Super Bowl. Yes. I'm done with events. I've missed the last four Marvel events on purpose, stayed away from them completely, and it's affected some books I like that now I can't read because they don't make any sense. Mighty Avengers is one of them. I The second Spider-Woman was better because it focused on Jessica, but there was still way too much Spider-Verse-y things that didn't help the matters any. Yeah, can we bring back other characters? Yeah, we can now have Spider-Gwen in the real universe. And she and Peter, that could be an interesting story, I suppose. But some of those other characters, now, how many Captain Americas are we going to have? Is Steve Rogers, the one who's in our, the movies, is he going to die to be taken up by the ultimate Captain America? Or is it still Sam? Or are they all three of them there and they have a Captain Marvel, a Captain America squad or something? It... it <sighs> It is going to be very confusing for new readers as a jumping on point. I understand the Ultimate Universe is the template at some level for the films. And one of my predictions for last year was kind of along, they were going to do more movie universe friendly books. I don't know if this is the way to do it exactly for new readers. I think this is going to be so dense and so connected to continuity from the past that if you want to do this, John Byrne, who I quote often around here, always said, why don't you just start over? Don't make an event. Don't start over from here. It's all number ones and we're here and we just tell the stories over and the people who want to continue on will and new people will jump on board. Making it beholden to the past doesn't bring in new readers to me. So that that's it for me. Steve, what what have been your what have been your thoughts? Um I'm kind of all over the map on it and then you know after listening to Steph and Bob I agree with a lot of what they said. Um I'm concerned for books that maybe have just started that are going to get, you know, roped into this thing. My thing with it is that I feel like I don't have enough information about it yet. And everything that's been said, they're just words. Like they're just everything that that Marvel does is going to change the universe forever. Every single time they do anything, you know, they they say that Um, this seems pretty huge. This seems pretty um, permanent you know in quotes but um i don't know that it's going to bring about a bunch of new readers if they're going to be giving you what's been quoted as a a phone book sized 
issue number two of Secret Wars that's going to have to catch you up on all the stuff that you're going to need to know, like a crash course. That seems like a hefty thing to expect not only people to buy, but people to read and comprehend within the short time that they have until issue number three. So I think that's a little bit of a weird move. Um, I don't want to see new books that I'm enjoying now. Um, Something like The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl or The New Ant-Man, which I thought was fantastic them getting off to like such a great start and then having this come along and derailing those books and kind of like squandering their chance to go off and be their own thing. Um, kind of like the spider verse books, like all these books have you know spurned out of that and other things have been roped in. And with what happened with spider woman, I read issue number two, it was better, but it's still not the book that I want for her at all. Um, but like I said, I, I could say more, but without having, stuff to put like without stuff in my hands without reading it without knowing exactly what they're going to do battle world sounds bizarre to me i saw the map the interactive map that they have on on the website and stuff and if you rove around on it and click around i guess they're showing you a bunch of either like would-be titles or titles that are actually coming mm-hmm. out to me it looks like a like a, like a mass scale multiversity like we've been reading the DC multiversity mm-hmm. stuff with like the different covers and the different worlds for each thing. That's to me, that's exactly what that looks like. It um, is, but it's, it's all mushed together in right. one world. Yeah. yeah and, I'm, and I'm not insinuating that they're biting off of DC, biting. they've been doing, they've been planning this for a long time since before they brought Hickman on for Avengers and new Avengers. They've been working on this. Um, I mean, I'm curious more than anything else. I'm going to be there regardless uh, if it ends up being something that I'm really not into and it ends up, like I said, derailing books and taking specific characters that I love away from me or changing them into people that I no longer like, uh, then I will have more say more to say about it. But until then, the you know, sky's the limit. I have no idea what they're going to do with this. So here's my thing. The actual Secret Wars miniseries, I, you know, the last event that I really read to completion and enjoyed was Infinity. So the, you know, Marvel mm-hmm. side of things. Yeah. So the fact that it's Hickman again, and it's a great artist in Esad Ribeck, you know, that I, I'm, you know, I, I, I don't have strong feelings either way. I'm interested in reading it because I think Hickman's a really good writer and I like the way that he does things. You know, I think he proved the infinity that he can handle events pretty well. Um, but what I think is that I, I think that the aftermath of what secret wars is going to be is what interests me more. And, and Here's my here's the thing like they they still haven't been 100% I don't think clear about what this is going to mean because of what you said Bob before about the John Byrne thing if you're to kind of go off just of what they said it seems like that's what they're going to do after Secret Wars they're going to be like everything's number 1 everything is new this there's no past this is just what we're going on from here um it's sort of like a reboot of, of the universe um in more of like a crisis crisis in the earth's kind of way than like a flashpoint into new 52 kind of way but the thing then this is my pitch about it that it's kind of outside of myself because look i'm loving the books just as the books you mentioned just as much as you are mm-hmm. and i don't want them to go away but if the, if the aftermath of Secret Wars, and I think Secret Wars is going to be the culmination of all of this stuff, so I think it's going to be dense and, and really hard to read, you know, for, for people who don't 
people who don't read it already. You know, I think it's right. going to be you're going to get 85 character long maps at the beginning yeah. of the game, uh, beginning of the beginning of the book, and you're going to get maps, and you're going to get you know Hickman circles all over it and everything. You know, so there's going to be really tough to get into. But if the aftermath of it can be this kind of fresh start for the universe, and um, it, they can do in their own Marvel way what DC did with New Fifty Two. Um, I think there's a lot, uh, there's a lot that excites me about that. Only because if that can do for someone else what the New Fifty Two did for me three years ago, then I, I think that that's amazing. Because I would, I would, there was no way I was never going to read comic books three years ago, th- three and a half years ago, four years ago. There's yeah. no way. Do you see what they did? And all of a sudden, I was reading them, and now I've been doing this for over three years. Yeah, you know. So th- there, there is. Is it going to hurt to lose some of those books? Absolutely. If they go away, I'm going to be I'm going to be sad, you know. Or they're going to lose momentum. That's going to suck. But if they can, you know, if they can in the aftermath of the event, do do that. If they can bring in people who aren't reading because they've been intimidated, and people who might be sitting there going like like I was, I really want to read comics, but I don't know how to start. You know, and I, I really want to read more aptly superhero comics, but I don't know how to start because mm-hmm. there's plenty of places to start in the uh, from the other companies right. that you can do easily and, and amazingly, and there's great books there. Um, sometimes better books than obviously they make at mm-hmm. the, the big two, but some people want to read superhero comics. That's what they want to do. So if they can give that to people, then I think in some ways it will be worth it. Um, there's going to be a lot of bullshit <laughs> leading up to it. There's going to be a lot of bullshit involved in the event. There's going to they're gonna make a lot of people unhappy, and they even said it in that thing. You know, there are going to be people that are screaming at us for what we're going to do. Um, you know, but I, I think that if they're if they can come out of it and still retain the the Marvel way of thinking, the Marvel way of doing things, and still retain the core of who those characters are, and just create new stuff for them, um, then I will be happy with with whatever that ends up being. And hopefully, it means we get these 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 books, like some of the books we're going to talk about today that have just started back and 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 they're not they don't get completely thrown off but mm-hmm. um like like i said i'm not i'm not completely i'm not i'm not really ex- excited about the actual event because you know i, I kind of i don't know what's going to happen but i know what the type of storytelling we're going to get i know what i know i can kind of guess that it's gonna be a lot of big huge shit that's going to happen some stuff's going to be crazy some stuff's going to be it's going to piss me off some stuff's going to make me excited but i know that i but i don't know what's gonna happen in the aftermath and that's what excites me about this this whole yeah. thing i mean i'm not so much concerned about the event itself but how it's going to ripple out into well other i mean stuff there, that there's are... no there's gonna be no other books right during the secret wars it's just gonna be the secret war stuff damn no other books that's what they've already said there's no other books it's just going to be the Secret War stuff. It's really ballsy. So, that, so they're going to. It's going to basically. It's just like what they did with Flashpoint, really. Yeah. When DC with Flashpoint, well, they, fifty-two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before they yeah. did, they they did all the alternate universe stuff with all mm-hmm. of their books, and then they ro- rolled in New Fifty Two. So I, I think that it's a very similar model to what DC did. Um, and you know, it's funny for me because this time I'm on the other side, right? Now I'm in it. I'm in it, and I, I have I'm invested in what's going on. So I I have those feelings of like, fuck, I don't want fucking. What's going to happen to Daredevil? What's going to happen to, you know, to all these books that I That's love? That's what I'm saying. Like, is, is it going to be Daredevil with a Secret Wars logo at the top or Ant-Man? Well, no, with, like, no, no, no. It's no. just... It, it's all the... They haven't announced all of the books yet, like they said in that thing. They've the, All those teasers that we were getting, you know, like the, yeah. the, the Civil War teaser and the Age of Ultron teaser and, and all those things. Yeah. Those, were, the, those are going to be the books during... during um, 
Um, and they're all going to have like their designations. Like this is like the X-Men book. Okay. This is like the Avengers book. This is like the Spider-Man book. Cause they, they, they pointed it out during that live stream. Like they were like this book right here, this will be your Spider-Man book, blah, blah, whatever. Um, weird. It, d- definitely. Definitely. I, I totally agree with you. Um, so, and, and then out of that will come whatever this new Marvel universe is going to be. They've already said Miles Morales is going to be part of the new, the, the, the regular universe. Obviously, they're obviously saying that Spider-Gwen is going to be part of the new universe proper. Right. So it's not going to be just an alternate universe tale. It's going to be part of whatever this new thing is going to be. Um, it feels very much like a DC move, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, what they're doing. Uh, so I don't know. Like, I, I, I am just as worried as I am excited but the potential to me uh, of the of what the aftermath could mean, and that's why also those kind of tie-ins with the with the retail companies kind of excite me because they are going after they're going to be promoting mm-hmm. comic book shit with with big yeah. mer- merchandise stuff. It's not going to be the movie version of the comic book stuff. It's going to be the comic book stuff. That stuff kind of excites me. Um, obviously, it could all go horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah. But I mean that—that's the reason why I'm not completely turned off. It's interesting it. being on the opposite side of the fence yeah. at this point because when we started the show mm-hmm. and the DC Fifty Two came out, my attitude was, you know, oh, you know, everybody will just get used to it, and mm-hmm. you know, I don't really see what the big deal is, and now I can jump in and blah blah blah. But now that we've been doing this for over three years, mm-hmm. watching Marvel do something similar, um, it's like a like a, a, a war. In, inside of my yeah. brain and inside of my heart on like how I really feel about this. Right. Like there wasn't enough time to form like a whole opinion by the time we did the show. Cause the, the news just broke a few hours ago. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's risky stuff. I would say, I mean, I know they're Marvel and they're, they're, you know, this huge company, but that takes balls mm. to do what they're doing. Um, we had a couple of Twitter reactions. I'm sure we uh, did. Jake Tanner said, I bet Bob is thrilled. <laughs> no, no, he'd be right. <laughs> Hello, Jake. Uh, <laughs> um, we had a couple of questions as well. You know, this is at uh, yellow ghost, yellow underscore ghost on Twitter. He said, is Marvel's plan for Secret War similar to that of DC's Convergence multiverse? They seem similar from what I gather. Um, it does seem like that, doesn't it? Uh, though I don't know. DC's kind of more intimated that that's going to be very much more like a pocket type of thing that I don't know how much effect it's going to have on the overall mm-hmm. DC universe of everything. So they haven't been as bold and brash in their marketing, but they never are. They're never, they're never the like marvelous to, to their credit for, for most of the time. Um, Cause it's a lot of cry wolf stuff, right? Like, like, like Steve, you had said, and Stephanie, you had joked about at the beginning, right? All of their marketing mm-hmm. is, this is going to change the universe forever. It doesn't matter what it is. It's every event is going to change the universe forever. So even if this is actually true, it's tough to buy it because yeah. they always say it. Yeah. It just it makes me wonder, like, like Wolverine just died. Mm-hmm. So now are, we're going to get another Wolverine or multiple Wolverines, and they're going to show up. And they're going to be like, well, where's your Wolverine? They'll be like, well, he's now a statue in the courtyard <laughs> of the school. <laughs> so. But the thing is, like, a lot of that stuff is going to be like just kicked off kicked out the curb once it, the the it restarts again all right um so uh you know what else changes the universe forever in comics canceling events well they're th- not gonna do that though stephanie because if you look at the sales numbers for the past year uh, like a lot of the top 100 books are the event books you know, you know what else so they're not even technically part of the big two anymore well Suck they it. definitely are technically part of the big two stephanie you can't say technically because no. that word because stephanie I mean, they're technically big two because you always think big two and you think Marvel and DC, but sales-wise, yes, DC's number one and Image was number two. No, that's not, absolutely not true, Stephanie. Yeah, no, it is. No, Stephanie, it's not true. Uh, 
It's not true. It's only in trade paperbacks. Trade paperbacks, definitely. <laughs> but Marvel and DC hold, I think, what is it, about 60% of the market total? Uh, for November, Marvel was 37.8% of the units. DC, 36.6%. Image, 11.06. So it's, it's, not even, it's not even close. You know, um, it, and that's just, the, that's just the, the plain truth of it. Marvel and DC hold up the 60%, over 60% of the in- industry. So... Um, it does. That's not any anything to do with quality. It's just it's just what, what it's just the truth. The you raw know? numbers, right. just the raw numbers. Um, so uh, let's see. Uh, um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> like liberal Dan said, I think someone needs to tell Marvel what the word secret means. These wars <laughs> seem like this, that's the sort of the opposite. <laughs> Obvious <laughs> wars. Very funny. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> he also said, I've been thinking for a while about getting out of weekly comics. This might be it. Um, let's see what else we got here. 50, uh, the f- new Fifty Two did that for me, right? Um, so it's uh, Adam Walter says Daredevil is ending. I'm sure there there will still be quality books to enjoy. I'll probably keep avoiding Avengers and X Men. Um, so yeah, so there was you know there's it's kind of well the, you have map. to remember there as many people as are looking for jumping on points or people looking for the jumping off point. Mm-hmm. And DC's New Fifty Two did energize some new people, but they exchanged some of those new for some of those old when the numbers except for Batman. Right. And I guess Harley for some bizarre reason are basically where they were before with a slight uptick, Mm -hmm. but not a huge amount, but they sold a lot of books in between. Yeah. So it can work, Mm -hmm. but they were honest enough to say what they were doing first and did it and Mm. and did change everything and Mm. seemingly forever. Right. With characters with mostly no backstory. Mm-hmm. Excepting Batman and Green Lantern and little bits and pieces, mm. this is this is wanting to eat their cake and have it too. It's a hybrid. Mm-hmm. It sounds like where some histories are going to sustain through and others not. Are we going to have mm-hmm. week after week, month after month of characters deciding who they are and who they're actually friends and enemies with? And there yeah, could be no a lot idea. of navel gazing yeah. over the next. We have year no or idea so. what those other yeah. other books are going to look like. Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, Carol Channing Tatum says, uh, "Give Bob a stabilizing hug from the fans if he needs one." By the way, thank you. He thank may you. need one. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is from the Sleep Jiffer. Secret more, secret wars, more like secret bores. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just kidding! Ha-cha-cha. Just kidding! I didn't hear the news. I just wanted to join the conversation. I'm so lonely. <laughs> Who is that? It's um, Sleep Drifter. Nice. <laughs> Um. Uh, this is at Benji underscore Stanislav. He says, "Worried it will get, it, I it will get sucked into the crossover vortex. It's avoided for so long." Oh, Miles Morales is the only Marvel book I buy, so I'm bummed. Worried it will get sucked into the crossover vortex. It's avoided for so long. Um, uh, Daniel Hoover says, "I'm really glad I've passed in the last few events, so I don't have event fatigue and can enjoy this one." Um, oh, that's an interesting take. Uh, so uh, Connor Blake says, "Who's at great great Twitter name at Ice Cream Genius." Uh, yeah. Fantastic to her name. Well, it was pretty much exactly what we expected. No. Um, uh, at Thunderfoot77, excited for main Secret War series. After that, just keep the quality of books high and I'm all in. Uh, Kelly Heron says, will it change the Marvel Universe? Will the time finally run out? Maybe, but really, I'm excited. Um, so, uh, and to start it all off, Maria Norris said, I have a very important question for the podcast regarding the recent Marvel announcement. What is happening? <laughs> So, um, <laughs> so yeah, that's some reactions from from our our, our listeners. Thank you guys so much for uh, nice. uh, ringing in w- w- with your thoughts. Um, and obviously, keep coming with them at Talking Comics yeah. on Twitter, uh, podcast at talkingcomicbooks dot com. 
where do you fall on this? Uh, what, what do you think? Are you excited for any of it? Are you really bummed about any of it? Let us know. I think we had a pretty good range of opinions uh, on the show. So we covered pretty much mm-hmm. the whole gamut, I think. Um, except for really excited. So if, if anyone's really excited, please let us know. Um, all right. Let's, what let's, did Stan have to say about Stan, that? Oh, yeah. Stan did, Stan did have some reaction to it. Oh. He did. Uh, he says... It's probably good, Lee said from his office in Beverly Hills, minutes after Marvel's announcement. <laughs> it's a ringing endorsement. Anything they do that's unexpected and different usually captures the attention of the fans. People want to follow it to see what happens and where it will lead. Marvel cannot keep doing the same stories over and over again. You always have to come up with new angles and new approaches to things. I think it's probably a good idea. It sounds intriguing to me. Um, he says, of course, I have an emotional attachment to the original Marvel Universe because I was so involved in it, he said. But that doesn't mean I expect it to be that way forever. It might be better under this new approach. I'm eager to see what might happen happen um what uh and they asked him about like creating it and what if he would do anything uh if he loved doing it at the time he said at the time what i did i thought was the right way to go and maybe sometimes even the perfect way to go very humble he said, <laughs> I making the fantastic four superheroes without a secret identity i like the tragedy of spider-man's origin with the with the great power there must also come great responsibility i thought it was the only i thought it was the right way of doing things at the time and i still like what i've done i can't think off the top of my head of anything i'd really want to change um he said, I was, once, uh, but, but, uh, I was once the creative head of the company, but the company was smaller. He said, I don't know what I would do if I was the creative head of the company today. I'd have to ponder that for a bit. I know that you always have to have surprises. You always have to make the reader say, wow, I never expected this. You have to keep doing that. It's kind of become the Marvel tradition. If this continues that tradition, I'm happy for them all and happy for the fans. Now, uh, I, this is interesting. I just came upon something that we haven't touched on. The Kirby family and Disney just settled. Mm-hmm. They pay Stan every year some little stipend still, and his name's still in the books. And you know, I, I know he acknowledged Steve Ditko as co-creator of Spider-Man, and there's some, you know, he's, he's on the screen in the movies, and he gets something for that too. If this is, these are all brand new versions of these characters that aren't Stan's origins. Are they different as trademark entities? You know, I probably I don't think so. I don't, I I just I don't think that no matter what I, what they do with them, I because I don't think they're going to change it that drastically. I don't think I think Spider Man will still be bit by a spider and he'll still mm-hmm. okay. You know, I, I don't think that it will it will be changed that that drastically. You know, um, and I don't I don't know if the the legalities of it are the same as something like um, you know like the Superman stuff with Simon and Schuster. Uh, um, uh, not Simon and Schuster, Siegel Schuster, Schuster. Uh, because you know obviously they were kind of like. More independent contractors who came in with a product, with a product they sold to them. So there, there is you know, there's more questions about the the particulars of origin and what characters you can use, what characters Mm -hmm. you can't. And I think with Stan, Mm -hmm. because he worked, actually was an actual employee of the company. I think it works differently than 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 a kind of contract like that. Because I don't think Stan had like a contract that was like you know I'm gonna create you know that 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 same way. They were hit. They were Marvel. Exactly, exactly. So I think it's different. But I don't know. I mean, I I'm not a lawyer, so I have no idea of that kind of stuff. That's Charles Soule. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Let's get him on the line. Uh, So let's move away from Marvel. Um, One of the big things we missed uh, when we were gone was uh, Image had uh, held their Image Expo and announced a crap ton of books, crap ton of books, um, a lot of which are very exciting. Stephanie, um, you I think you have the list in front of you. I do. Uh, Why don't you? uh, why don't you run down those books for us? Yeah. All I'm, right. I need to make a um, list because I need books to buy. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Image obviously is a big deal for me. I love Image books and oh, such a breath of fresh air given the things we just talked about. So, um, seriously, big titles announced uh, and 
alphabetically, they are this. A.D. after death. Uh, so New York Times bestselling writer Scott Snyder. Who's he? <laughs> and artist Jeff Lemire. Who? <laughs> Come together to launch A.D. after death, which will be here this November 2015. Uh, A.D. after death will be set in a near future where death has been cured and one man must come to grips with what comes next. Image was like, so, what's exactly the book that Bobby would want to read? And yeah. it made it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who, who is the team that we can put together that would ensure that every single person on this planet will buy every issue, every trade, every deluxe edition, every sketchbook, uh, the merch? Um, this. This. All right. Next one. So you're not excited for that one, Bobby? Yeah, I'm not excited at all. I don't yeah. care. Figured. I still don't know who those guys are. I don't like I don't either one of those about. guys. No. Disappointing. Always disappointing. Always disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Black Road. Uh, and I'm just reading what's on the image site. So, um, yeah. Black Road marks writer Brian Woods first return to the Viking genre since acclaimed Northlander series and his and Gary Brown's first project together since The Massive first project together it's the, the last issue isn't even out yet <laughs> anyways but uh and lauren f is doing the colors for it so it's set in viking age norway black road follows magnus the black a fixer for the Christ christian church who loses a roman official to bandits on the infamous black road heading north to fix the problem and complete his contract he uncovers a secret something so big it threatens to change the balance of power in all of europe but with one foot in the world of the pagans and the other in that of the church, who can trust where his loyalties lie? That sounds cool. It does sound cool. I like, like Game of Thrones. Yeah, Game of Thrones. I like I like stuff that has to deal with like that era of the church. I think mm -hmm. it's a very interesting entity. You know. I have, yeah. Yeah, I have all of Northlanders too to get through, um, and I feel like even though this is going to be a different thing, I want to read Northlanders before I <laughs> jump into this. I hear only great things about Northlanders. So. And I also want to watch all of Vikings, which is the third season is on. Take it to a whole other place, Stephanie. <laughs> well, Vikings. We were talking about Vikings. And, but I don't think you have to watch Vikings before you read this book. Maybe I do. You don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're tied in. Yeah. You don't know that. Maybe Brian Wood was like, wow, this show is great. It is. I need to write more about Vikings. Mm. You do. And then he was like, yep. Who was that talking to him? Um, his conscience. Gary Brown. Yeah. <laughs> he just sits there. You do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. All right. So next one. This is also going to appeal to no one. It's called I Hate Fairyland. Uh, and involves some hack named Scotty Young. Um, and Jean-Francois Boulot. And they would like to introduce you to Gertrude, a snarky, slightly deranged 40-year-old with a battle axe who happens to be trapped in a Shirley Temple-esque body and confined oh to the Technicolor yeah. fun world that is Fairyland. I Hate Fairyland is an all-new series full of morbid, dark humor and snark, perfect for fans of Invader Zim and Fight Club, which are two drastically <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. contrasting things. Yeah. So, I just... <laughs> things like stuff. You should read this. 
Steve, put your pants back on. I would uh, <laughs> I would just like to go ahead and uh, put in my nomination for I Hate Fairyland for the 2015 Talking Comics Awards. Uh, wow, that sounds amazing. I've seen the art for it that looked spectacular. I did not know that little bit about her being 40 years old and trapped in that body. I am. I was. Oh, my God. I wonder, when does that book come out? It doesn't say. It, doesn't it sounds a bit like, a, for anyone who played Borderlands, it sounds a bit like Tiny Tina. It does. Mm. It does. That sounds amazing. I can't wait to read that. I think it's my favorite of the announcements that I've I have one other so one that far. I'm really curious about, but yeah, yeah that... that I, have, I have one that I'm even more excited about, but we haven't come across yeah, it Yeah, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for that one still. Um, all right, so next on the list is Heaven, uh, James Robinson, who, by the way, made an announcement last year, and his book, that book still hasn't come out. So oh, really? Yeah, he did. He was supposed to do a book with, uh, uh, like, I don't even know who it was now, but he made an announcement last year, and that book just never showed up. Wasn't that the one that was going to be about Airboy, the oh, old '40s yeah, character? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so he's just like, "Fuck that! Let's do this instead." <laughs> um, anyway, so James Robinson and Philip Tan team up for an all-new space opera series titled Heaven. Heaven introduces readers to a distant future where the forces—I'm—I'm I'm assuming this is meant to be of man. Uh, an alien combined have used religion to conquer this universe and are now ready and about to invade the next one. Heaven itself. <laughs> the good war between man and angel will span galaxies and dimensions, building to a final conflict that threatens to negate all of reality itself. Along the way, many players on both sides of the war will be featured. Soldiers, spies, politicians, all with different goals and agendas, uh, even as the, they're too distinct and Differing realities explode around them, aka Angela, assassin of Asgard. It, it sounds cool. You know, I worry about books with that high a scope being personally relatable. Mm. You know, being more than just the spectacle of everything. You know, being something that is not. You know, I'm sure you're going to open pages and it's going to be overwhelming. Like how amazing things look. Because Phil Tan is, is actually a very good artist. Um, but I, I always worry about those stories because I, I always feel like a lot of times the humanity gets lost. In them, James Robinson's very good at that, mm -hmm. but this is above and beyond, right? Yeah, doing, you know the Justice Society. Yeah, right. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of. I mean, again, it's just a description, so who knows? But mm -hmm. I, I, I get worried about that because because sometimes it, and sometimes it's even too far in the other way. Sometimes it's too small and personal, and you you miss the scope. So it's very hard to balance those two things. So it sounds really cool, but I just I'm always worrying about books like that. Mm -hmm. I wonder if we'll see any politicians in heaven. <laughs> I think not. <laughs> Maybe. Sorry, I'm a, I'm a cynic. I'm just a cynic. Politicians of Heaven. There's the sequel. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Next. All right. So uh, we've got Island and Eight House huh? uh, making a rare U.S. appearance for Image Expo this year. Comics creator Emma Rios officially announced three upcoming projects: Island and Eight House, both collaborations with Brandon Graham, due this year. Island, a collaboration spearheaded by Rios and Graham. And featuring a murder, murderer's row of the most interesting artists in comics. It will be an oversized 72-page monthly magazine that's scheduled to start coming out in June. Wow. Ooh. That's cool. I mean, that's something that you don't really see, right? Yeah. Anthology. Anthology yep. like that. Uh, that size of anthology. Obviously, Dark Horse puts out one every month. It's it's a smaller smaller mm -hmm. than that. And that, that sounds really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I mean, they don't... Like you said, this is very vague descriptions... So I can't really tell if 
it'll be good, but it seems like the idea, the premise seems cool. Yeah. So. We will say that Seventy is reading right off the image site. So when she says the most interesting artists in comics, she's reading yeah. like their press copy. Yeah. So everyone yeah, knows yeah. that. I want everyone to know that. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm not, these are not my own words. Yeah. Otherwise, they'd be like, they're getting this man again. Bob <laughs> diggity dog. Look at them in heaven. That's not <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> word things. You're a, you're a, Looney Tunes character. Yeah. The female she's version she's of prospector. Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm Green Loon Turn. <laughs> okay. Oh, All right. Let's keep it going. All right. So next is Captara. Uh, Image Comics is proud to announce that they are continuing to publish comics in 2015. Wow. This is shocking. Uh, one of them will be Captara, a new ongoing series from a very interesting person. I'm pretty sure Chip Zdarsky actually just wrote this. He, I think he did. Yes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like everyone like in their after their names has you know like uh for james robinson the saviors and philip chan spawn uncanny x-men but chips of darcy sex criminals howard the duck much unpublished poetry <laughs> um an award-winning illustrator uh kagan mcleod infinite kung fu uh that might be a thing is that a thing? definitely is a thing i don't think that's a lie i don't know i can never tell with darcy that's true um, Captara follows Keith Kanga, a young bioengineer flung across the universe onto a strange planet filled with weird danger. And if he doesn't get home to Earth, <laughs> the place where you live is doomed. <laughs> I mean, I'm in because it's Chip Zdarsky and he's a crazy, a crazy guy. Yeah. They had me at weird danger. Yeah. Well, it's funny. <laughs> he, he got up on stage and he, he you know, showed like a slide of the book and he put up a slide of Howard the Duck. Yeah. Did he really? Yeah. yeah. Good time. He's a crazy guy. He's a character. He is. Um, all right. So, Ludocrats. Um, a new comic by Kieran Gillen, David Lafuente, Jim Rosignol, and Ricardo Venecio. Uh, the Ludocrats is a decade in the making, opulent, fantastical comedy said the writer of The Wicked and the Divine and Phonogram, Kieran Gillen. This is a book which has hyperbole as its baseline and considers impossible as an aim only fitting for underachievers. It'll change your life. Primarily by letting you own a comic called The Ludocrats, where Baron Otto von Subertan and Professor Hades Zero K are the last defenders of a ludicrous aristocracy against the insipid forces of normalization. I have no oh, idea it, what this book's about. It sounds like a Kieran oh. Gillen book to yes. me. <laughs> Can any what? We I can't I'm help you with this one. They... There's nothing from that description to base anything on. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a satire. It seems like very yeah. satirical. Obviously, it seems like it's going for that very kind of heady. Um, you know, you're not going to understand it all at first blush. Um, mm -hmm. Gillen type of writing, but uh, his particular brand of lunacy always interests me. So I, I, I think it, it could be cool sending up kind of that the the kind of rich elite class mm -hmm. yeah absolutely uh, well, all right ed after death is probably one that i'm i'm no I mean, we're going to discuss it afterwards that i'm most excited for but this one that i'm about to say like might top that one might or at least tie uh, and that is monstrous image comics is pleased to announce that marjorie lou and sana takita are teaming up for an all-new ongoing fantastic adventure set in an alternate 1900s Asia um, and Sana, Sana Takeda did Miss Marvel um, so in Monstrous readers are transported into early 1900s where immense leviathans roam the earth 
wielding unimaginable powers that many have long desired to exploit. When a teenage girl with a mysterious past forms a tenuous psychic bond with the most dangerous of all the leviathans, she becomes the target of both human and otherworldly authorities who will stop at nothing to possess her, to control her, and to control the lord of all the leviathans. Um, What they don't count on is the courage of the girl herself and the fact that she is slowly becoming more than human. Ooh. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. (laughs) I'm into it. (laughs) Giant monsters, Victorian era Earth. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, Marjorie Liu is one of those writers who I just, I've actually never read like anything she's ever written. But I've heard nothing but I've, great things about her. I've got three really good uh, X23 graphic the, novels. The X23 stuff. That's what yeah. I hear is great. The yeah. first one particularly is fantastic. Yeah, yeah I, I like it. NYX too. Yes. That yep. as well. Cool. Um, the, idea, all right. the, the idea sounds great. Huh, no Mercy. Best selling writer Alex DeCampi, Carla Speed McNeil, and Jen Manley D. Manley Lee. Manley Lee. Manley right. D. Team up for No Mercy, coming from Image this spring. It was just a trip before college. Build schools in a Central American village. Get to know some of the other freshmen. What could go wrong? Everything. It doesn't actually say that part. Um, After tragedy strikes, these once privileged American teens must find their way home in a cruel landscape that, at best, doesn't like them. And at worst, actively wants to kill them. No phones. No passports. No mercy. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I'm in for that. It sounds like a like broke down palace or yeah. like um like those any of those like none of them end up being very good, but like those like Teresa's go home like type of oh movies, god yeah you know? maybe it's a cross between Teresa's and monsters yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I was thinking yeah yeah <laughs> I like the idea like, like monsters was the first thing that came to mind to me mm-hmm. like taking like like overly privileged and putting them in a in a place where they have. Mm-hmm nothing but they're like their faculties and yeah. they have to figure it out yeah um going like very lord of the flies on one another oh yeah absolutely so yeah i'm looking forward could to that. be interesting who is alex de campy what is he best-sellingly um, he, wrote he most recently did um uh those grindhouse books for dark horse like he oh. did the first one with uh francesco francovella mm-hmm. um the bee vixens yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so very good in the genre, so that's, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that, could be cool, yeah. definitely. That gets a little um, This next one isn't exciting at all, Stephanie. I know, I actually kind of, I don't know how I forgot about this one when <laughs> I was like, oh, so AD and Monstrous are probably my two most anticipated uh, lies. This one is Paper Girls, which um, I, I'm basically just going to buy this for the premise because who the F are Brian K. Vaughn and Cliff Chang? Yeah. <laughs> um, right? Yeah. Mm. It's it's uh, so rare. It's a, it's a new ongoing series from Brian K. Vaughn. I mean, you, you don't, that's not like a very regular occurrence. You know? Yeah, I mean, cool. he wrote something called Saga. Yeah, Runaways. <laughs> Why the Paper last man? Girls? Proud of Baghdad. Uh, is the story of four twelve-year-old newspaper delivery girls who experience something extraordinary one day. Dot dot dot. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Good enough. And like the the cliffhanger image or the teaser image i guess um, more appropriately is just like half of a girl on a bike like her foot and a paper being thrown and everyone's like this coming 
there's something about that image. That was so. the first thing that I noticed. Um, obviously, the only thing I noticed mm. about it. But it's it's gorgeous. Mm. Like it, it, it just that image alone made me want to read that book. I didn't even see who was on it yet. Mm. Um, it reminded me a little bit of like something from Faith Aaron Hicks. Um, yes, the way I the artwork that, looks like and the, the color too. palette too. Yeah, it's beautiful. So it's all about newspapers going on the roof and old men like me going inside to complain. Here is my paper. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. See? I got I that one start without my crossword. Yeah. Yeah. Newspaper delivery girls the world has ever seen. Mm-hmm. Oh. It can throw papers real good. <laughs> that's, their, that's their secret weapon. It's like ninja throwing stars. Yeah. It's newspapers. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I'm they there. can turn newspapers into deadly weapons. <laughs> Never pull your newspaper from the bushes again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, phonogram. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Steve is probably, you know, Bobby's about to tell him to put his pants on again. Yeah. Um, we left him off the whole I'm time. Wearing, I'm wearing pajamas. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm going to skip over a bit of this. Kieran Gillen, Jamie McAlvey, fan favorite. Phonogram returns with an all-new story arc that explores Emily Astor's origins. Emily Astor, the hyper-acerbic cover queen whose one-liners are sharper than her fringe. That's bangs. That's some copy right there. (laughs) Those are bangs, guys, for you Americans. Uh, She's been the one people love and love to quote. In this new chapter of Phonogram, in the Phonogram series, readers discover how she got that way and where it got her. She sold half her personality for power. This is what happens when, uh, when it catches up with her and what that half of her personality has been doing all these years. Awesome. Steve, yep. put your pants on. Yeah. Never. <laughs> She's wearing a pants. She just got the little like flap open in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Steve's like, joke's on you. I didn't even wear pants here. Yeah. Commando up in this motherfucker. Yeah. No, I'll... You're wearing meggings. Man leggings. Meggings? Yep, it's a thing. No, it isn't. You made that up. No, I'm not. I swear. My friend uh, Zach Kinsella uh, on Facebook, he got into a really heated debate about meggings the other what? day. It's a very, it's like, it's a very sensitive subject. Yeah. Oh, my God. Don't mess with my meggings. I appreciate this luxurious comfort. <laughs> Um, I'm super pumped for that book. Mm-hmm. I um I was like flipping out when it was announced. I was reposting it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, they caught both creators caught a lot of flack when they announced Wicked and the Divine. As much as people were excited for something new from them, a lot of people really wanted it to be Phonogram Volume Three. Now we're getting it, and now that like they're ready to do it and they're into it and stuff, I can't wait to reread both of those trades to get geared up and go back into that world because there's just something about it that I really it really speaks to me and mm-hmm. I really enjoy it. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Just like scrolled down this list and I don't even think we're like halfway through it. There are we're so halfway through many it. books. Well, you can I mean, we'll talk about the next one, but you obviously one of them is pretty deadly. They're just announcing that the, the, it's coming back. Uh, spoilers. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's spoil the news that came out 3 weeks ago. God, Bobby. So we can skip over pretty deadly cuz yeah. it's we know it's a known quantity. It's set in World War 1 well, this time. Yeah, World War 1, yeah. We've got Plutona, which is uh Jeff Lemire and Emmy Lennox and Jordi Belair, uh, a.k.a. the only colorist in the world. Um, (laughs) They are going to explore the nature of friendship and the line between good and evil. Plutona follows the story of five suburban kids who make a shocking discovery while exploring the woods one day after school. The body of the world's greatest superhero, Polara, laying dead among the mud and grass. All right. I mean, that sounds a bit dark. That's dark. Yeah. Yep. We got. We just start. Jeff Lemire's everywhere. Jeff Lemire doing it. 
Um, yeah, I'm excited about that. <laughs> and, and I'm just like looking at all of these and I'm just like, oh, who are these people? Who's Darwin Cook working on a book called Revengeance? What? <laughs> huh. Hmm. In June, Revengeance is coming. It is a psychological thriller with darkly humorous overtones. Really? From Darwin Cook? <laughs> Shocking. Uh, when Joe Malarkey <laughs> is Amazing. faced with a criminal tragedy, he sets out to make things right on his own. What follows is Joe's odyssey through the underside of the city and the madness that seems to drive his crazy world. I don't know. I, anyone know if this Darwin Cook guy's any good? Everyone's probably <laughs> like, Steph, we get it. You don't know who any of these people are. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll stop no. this. Um, yeah, Bob, what do you think about this? Your big darn quick. We're thing. setting this where? Do we have a time period for this? No. Is this one no. of okay. well, his name is Joe Malarkey though? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so I'm saying it's the 40s one and it's picture. one of those sort of things. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm in. I love Darwin Cook. He's very good at those underbelly characters mm-hmm. who somehow have hearts of gold, mm-hmm. or at the very least, you know, cubic zirconium. Right. There's, there's <laughs> something. There's some good at their heart, even when bad things are going. So yeah, go for it. Sure. Hmm. Why not? Um. Just going back to the yearbook, Plutonia, uh, Emmy Lennox, that's Emmy Town, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just wanted to get that right in my head. Yep. Um, and then next up, we've got Run, Love, Kill, uh, which is Eric uh, Kenete. I can't say his last name. Um, and John Sue. Um, let's see. The story follows a wanted woman in hiding named Rain Oshiro. The narrative style will prominently feature two very different but significantly connected moments throughout her life. The past, which explores her history as an impressionable student, an abiding soldier, and a wanted fugitive, and the present, which will show her as she is now, and how she copes and runs away from the decisions made in her past. At its core, the story is an exploration of choices, both good and bad, and now how her choices have formed her into the person she has and will become. Set against the background of a futuristic world, as only artist Kinete, and I, I'm sorry, I can't say that, but uh, can imagine... Rain has just 24 hours to escape a barricaded city while trying to evade a military force determined to either capture or kill her. I'll tell you what things about that I, that I think sound cool. One, it's obviously going to be Japanese, uh, or at least some somewhat Asian, vaguely. But Rain Rain Oshiro sounds like a Japanese name to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the fut- futuristic Japan is one of my favorite futuristic things because it's so cool. It's my favorite kind of future. It really yeah. is. It really is. You can blame like Blade Runner for that kind Absolutely. of thing. Absolutely. Um, and the idea of this kind of, um, uh, you know, this, this what some uh, somewhat sci-fi premise b- baked into it, but with a, kind of like a grounded sense. With, that's what I get from what it, what it's doing. I, I think all sounds really really cool. Um, and I, I don't know these creators, but it's one of it's one of the descriptions that actually interests me the most beyond just being excited because these two people that I love are doing yeah. this book. So that's that's my that's my idea on Run, Run Love Kill. Nice. Yeah. Um. So, let's see. Savior, uh, Todd McFarlane. No big deal. Uh, <laughs> launching a new series with Ryan Holguin uh, and Clayton Crane. Let's see. It's an eight-issue miniseries that hits shelves starting in April. Um, a man appears with no background, no memory, and no place to call home. But this this much is clear. This individual possesses certain powers, abilities that hearken from the Old Testament. Could he possibly be this corrupted world's savior in the flesh? Or will he be the world's undoing? 
it sort of sounds like Spawn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. a little bit. Jesus. Yeah, 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 something like that. I, look, I mean, uh, I my my experience with Todd McFarlane is purely like tangential. You know, I I wasn't reading comics when when he was big, and since I've joined comics, yeah, he, he's been. I think he's started writing Spawn again, but he wasn't writing it at first, and he doesn't. He hasn't only created anything new in, in a very mm-hmm. long time. So uh, the thing that I, bums me out is that as much as like. As much as he's ridiculous, like if he's not drawing it, I don't have as much interest in seeing because that's the, that's the yeah, hook that's, for me. Tom McFarland, I want to see like the crazy, you know, the crazy ass shit yeah. that he can do. And obviously, you know, he's older now, and I'm sure he doesn't, you know, he doesn't do that as obviously doesn't do it as much. I don't know what the last thing he really drew was, but um, it, it it holds less relevance for me because I just uh, Clayton Clayton's a really good artist actually, but I just don't I don't care as much if he's not drawing it. So. Because this writing is never like what I would think to come for no. from Todd McFarlane. So and related, Todd McFarlane's Spawn hits issue two hundred and fifty, the sure. milestone, and celebrates with gusto. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I swear gusto. to God, that's what it says. Yeah, that is that, that is the copy. Gusto. Gusto. Two hundred fifty issues is a lot of issues. That's pretty crazy. It's a lot of Todd, gusto. we need some. Uh, we need something for this. Let's tell them we celebrate it with gusto. And it's all in caps. <laughs> on their wow. website it is very exciting yeah. they're bringing it back gusto <laughs> exciting it's yeah. very gusto yeah <laughs> I, like that um, word. I like the word gusto though gusto. it's gotta be in the title for this podcast Talking <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> 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 is back with gusto with gusto <laughs> alright we're almost so there Stephanie I know I, I'm actually pretty excited this list is pretty good yeah and by pretty good I mean like Brian K. Vaughn Scott <laughs> Snyder Marjorie Liu no biggie <laughs> No biggie, anyone. Jeff Lemire. What? Darwin <laughs> Cook. Anyways, um, Brian Bucciolato and Tony Infante are teaming up for an all-new psychological horror story uh, about one man's discovery of familiar blood ties to a cult in Sons of the Devil. Uh, Sons of the Devil is a dark look at the blue-collar 25-year-old orphan who learns he is the son of a cult leader. Like True Detective and the following. Oh my God, you've lost me. That show was awful. <laughs> Sons of the Devil Which is one? an exploration. <laughs> what? Which one? The the following. Oh, okay. Come on. <laughs> True Detective. Like. Uh, which one? How does make it sure? You never know. Yeah. You're uh, a wild Sons card. Sons of the Devil <laughs> is an exploration into the dark side of human psychology. It's grounded take on cults that... Now all I can think about is... Matthew McConaughey can can act way out of paper bag. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's grounded take on cults that balances the real real world with the supernatural. It's gritty, character-driven, and tonally lays somewhere between Southern Bastards and Nailbiter. What? Like, it's basically True Detective, the following Southern Bastards and Nailbiter. It's not not the best copy. It's not the best uh, PR description of it. A bunch of different things, yeah. one of which was abysmally bad. Like that's an I don't opinion. Even understand though. A lot how of people like the following. A third yeah. season. <laughs> it might have been renewed for a fourth season. I'm sorry to anyone who likes that show. It's dumb. Stop talking about the following. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. It just it set me off. Yeah. Do not like. All right. Starve. Brian Wood. Oh boy. Uh, oh boy. Daniel Zizizi and Dave Stewart. <laughs> that is not the. That is not Danielle. Or Daniel. It's Daniel. It's not Daniel. It's D A N I J E L. So what? Danagel. I can't pronounce any of that. That's the closest <laughs> we're getting. Danagel Zezel. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Oh, yeah, okay. 
I did. And it. Dave Stewart are cooking up a story set in the near future. I'm sensing a trend here. Mm-hmm. Near future, futuristic apocalyptic worlds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, where celebrity chefs are idolized and reality television has taken a decidedly unsavory turn. So it's Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. But like the punny Hunger Games. Yep. <laughs> Starf is set in a world where chefs are practically royalty, and access to them is the ultimate status symbol. Chef Gavin Crookshank, back from a self-imposed exile, finds his little foodie television program, Starve, transformed into a gonzo arena sport where chefs slice and dice rare and endangered species for their super-rich patrons. Since his personal life is as much in shambles as his professional career— Chef Crookshank works to repair his relationship with his grown daughter while dismantling the monstrosity that Starve has become. Yep. That sounds bonkers. Yep. <laughs> and I am in. I like it. <laughs> I that like sounds it. crazy. That yeah, sounds, that sounds like Chew meets The Hunger Games. I was definitely getting a Chew vibe from it, but it seems also much crazier than like the normal kind of Brian Wood fare. Mm-hmm. You know, I always feel like Brian Wood... He's usually pretty reserved and grounded with a lot of what he does. He tries to ground most of the stuff in, in in a lot of reality, and this sounds like he's kind of let the let the let the cat out of the bag or something right there. It's a crazy pitch. Yeah. Whether it works or not, oh, no, who, who knows? knows but yeah. it's a great pitch. If there's one yeah. place that it can work, it's comic books. Yeah. Endangered kitchen nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So only a couple more left, and this one is uh, Tadaima. Uh, and that is going to be written and illustrated by Emmy Lennox. Um, throughout childhood, Emmy visited her grandmother in Japan frequently. But through the years of high school and after, she hadn't been back in nearly 12 years. Sadly, within those uh, 12 years, both her Japanese grandparents passed away. Tadama is a travel log documenting a trip back to Japan with her mother for memorial service to renew uh, the Saboda, a wooden grave marker at her grandparents' tomb in Fukushima. Touching on Japanese spirituality and cultural dif- differences, Tadaima is more than a book about landmarks and foreign cuisine. It's about family. Well, I will read that. I, yeah, like, I expected I like you would. Yeah, no, I like her stuff a lot. Both um, both volumes of Emmy Town are excellent, and uh, she just she she talks a lot on on Twitter. Like she's very personal about stuff, and she talks to a lot of creators and stuff. And I just I love the positivity that comes out of her uh on that forum and then like following her adventures on instagram and stuff like that and she just i'm, I'm interested in what she has to say as a creator mm. and i like um, that that like you know true to life stuff yeah absolutely all right one more uh and i know exactly what this is like i know it's about canadians based on the title uh we stand on guard <laughs> uh so brian k vaughn uh teams up with co-creator and artist steve uh, Scross, who did Doc Frankenstein and was a storyboard artist for The Matrix and Jupiter Ascending. So it's a mini series. Uh, we Stand on Guard is an action packed military thriller set in the 22nd century. The series follows a heroic band of Canadian civilians turned freedom fighters who take up arms against a violent invasion of their country by a technologically superior nation, the United States of America. Bring it. Brian Kavon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will end you if you try to invade my country. I have got hockey gloves perpetually ready to throw down. <laughs> Don't even know. All and right. we are slowly invading the U.S. You guys don't even know. Like, you think Tim Hortons is cutesy, and you're like, oh, Canada, they're sending us Tim Hortons. 
It's how we'll get you. <laughs> if I start seeing Canadian Tire around here, I'll be worried. No, we don't care about that. Canadian Tire's stupid. Tim Hortons is where it's at. Hey, don't make me the, throw down the gloves. Yeah. You do know that at, Burger King bought Tim Hortons, right? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, and and Target's out. leaving the country. Target's leaving Canada. Yes, but Target closing their store. Stupid. Oh, wow. Yeah. You love Target. You loved it. You I love, love Target. Target America. I do oh, not love Target Canada. Okay. Here Target go. Canada is stupid. Canadian Target is lame. It <laughs> is. It is. Everything is so expensive and they don't sell like anything good. They don't sell anything good. It's just like why? Be gone. We don't like you anyways. Their games are like seventy dollars a piece. It's crazy. Your games are like seventy dollars a piece. No, they're not. Sixty dollars. Yes, they are. And our games are six or fifty nine ninety nine unless they're new gen, in which case in the US and Canada it's seventy nine ninety nine usually for new release games. No, no. 59 dollars Fifty nine ninety nine in America for yeah. new release games. For the next new gen stuff? Yes. Yes. More expensive. I've seen them that much in the States though. Well you are you might have seen some like special stores. editions yeah. or yeah. deluxe editions or something. There's... Me, we buy a lot of video games though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How do I? We know. I know. But you buy a lot of video games in Canada. Yeah, but they're we, never that expensive. We buy most of them here. <laughs> so, you know. Um, all right. That's actually one of the only things that isn't like, because like book prices are so drastic. Like, it's like, if you look at the inside cover, it's like, U.S. price, nineteen ninety nine, Canadian, twenty seven ninety nine, <laughs> And games are like the only thing that's usually on par. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's Image Expo. Ton of stuff announced. Ton of stuff to be excited about. Um, Bobby, you were you were jotting down as we went along. What 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 struck you? Well, the Scotty Young book, I hate Fairyland. When mm. I saw that first <laughs> glimpse of the artwork, it was yeah, this is going to be hysterical. Forty year old dwarf, sort of, or whatever you want to characterize. <laughs> she's trapped person. in like a Shirley Temple esque yeah, body. It's just, but the the artwork she she's really hideous. It's very cute, but she's not a. But she hates where she is. Yeah, maybe that's it. It's it's driven into her somehow uh, <laughs> certainly the anthology book i really love the idea of that there needs to be more exploration here's a company willing to explore a lot of different genres book wise now a book doing the mm-hmm. same thing and how big is this actually are we looking life magazine size it is lo- i don't know what they said right i don't i don't know what, yeah. what it's gonna end up being should be interesting to see yeah. I, I can't imagine i don't i don't know how big it's gonna be because I, I think they're gonna want to keep the price uh, like a reasonable, mm-hmm. a reasonable level, and I don't think they can do that if it's too big. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see. But Image Expo, of course, really, really exciting. All that stuff coming out of there. Um, so let's, uh, Stephanie, tell me why you love Squirrel Girl. Ah, sorry, my mic went on mute, and I was like, "Where's the button?" <laughs> um, okay, so I read this today. I've I've been really behind on comics. I've been trying to read uh, my plethora of novels I've been collecting like nonstop and not reading uh, I kind of figured I would love Squirrel Girl based on the cover alone uh, which is and the book is um, Ryan North and Erica Henderson uh, it just feels it feels like an independent book to me like it feels like Lumberjanes kind of uh, but with licensed characters from the Marvel U Uh she just has this incredible energy that exudes through the pages and 
it's so infectious and you can't help but smile as you read it. Like the first few pages kind of tell you her entire history, but through a version of her theme song, which is set to the Spider-Man theme song. (laughs) And like, how can you not love that? It's just probably the most adorable comic I think I've read in forever. Um, Like, she has curves. She's not gorgeous. You know, she doesn't fall under any stereotypes. And she kicks ass. She's still this spunky, fun-loving character that really loves to talk to squirrels. And they talk back. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I, I love the little discussion. I love, like, the page where after, you know, she's finished singing her super rad theme song um it, it breaks down everybody and it's like starring squirrel girl tippy toe park muggers <laughs> and then you know like the park muggers is like aka we already beat them up likes free money dislikes free punches <laughs> and then it's just like fun fact they all just learned the error of their way via punches <laughs> um not to mention that in each page of this comic And if you guys didn't notice this on the first read, you need to go back and read Squirrel Girl. But under each panel, or not, uh, each page, um, in yellow writing that makes it very hard to notice, Mm -hmm. there's a commentary Mm -hmm. for, like, every page. And it's, like, Squirrel Girl's inner monologue. Like, when she's carrying all the boxes and, you know, this the dude tries to help her, she's like, My name rhymes. Yes. That, too, is one of the several ways in which I am totally regular. Uh, and there's just this fun relatability to her quirkiness and, um, you know, her her kind of quest to just be a regular person uh, while being uh, gifted with one of the <laughs> weirdest superpowers uh, that has you know, graced the pages of Marvel Comics. Uh, Tippy is amazing. Her roommate, Nancy, is basically me. Uh, <laughs> she writes cat fan fiction and the cat Mew. Here, did you know Mew is named after Mjolnir, which is the name of Cat's Thor Hammer. Or sorry, Cat Thor's Hammer. Did you also know Cat Thor is a character in Nancy's fan fiction? Cat Thor, cat god of cat thunder. <laughs> I basically wrote that. <laughs> that is basically me. If I knit this character, like, I would be putting in a petition to have this character remodeled. Just saying. Cats. <laughs> um, but yeah. And, you know, she's one of the strongest characters in the Marvel U. Um, I believe she's beaten Doctor Doom and countless others. Like, she really is the unbeatable squirrel girl. But um, one of my favorite parts of this is she doesn't resort really to using her super strength in this book so much as just kind of reevaluating what's happening um, in the second half of this book. And she's just like, let's just talk this out. I don't want to fight you. Come on. Let's work this out. What do you really want? Though her initial plans about putting squirrels in his pants was pretty funny. (laughs) I I love how, like, it reminded me of... um, uh, the Sherlock movies, the um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. ones, where you see him plan out the moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and it's like this really artsy, oh, uppercut to the face. Gonna hit him in the kidneys. Gonna do this. And it like, it was like the derpy version of that. Like, I'm gonna put squirrels in his pants. <laughs> I'm gonna put squirrels on his face. Squirrels. Like, <laughs> I feel like it was just so much better because I kept on imagining like <laughs> these really weird mashups. Uh, but like, I just had so much fun reading this. Um, and just kind of really getting into the world of Doreen Green. Like, the page where uh, she's trying to hide her tail. And she's like, damn. She's like, I appear to have a conspicuously large and conspicuously awesome butt. Like, it's so much fun. I can't wait for more of this. Because um, Marvel really hit, like, a gold mine with this one. It is beautiful i love the art i think it perfectly suits um the tone that ryan north has kind of laid out here uh it feels like something that is just appropriate for everyone of all ages you know she's going to college but there's nothing inappropriate about um her behavior and how she acts like it feels just really fun and i was tweeting about this and ed brisson um he, he replied and said, this is the only comic that I have that I've been able to read on my own with my wife and with my daughter and have them love. Um, I want this. I already know this book will be on my best of 2015 list because I don't know if I've read a better number one possibly like ever. Uh, and this is easily my favorite comic since The Adventures of Superhero Girl. Awesome. Done. Awesome. Bob. Loved it also. <laughs> Just a wonderful combination of art and story, perfectly in sync with each other. And you, you buy into the crazy concept instantly, and it is that first page. You, come on, you have a theme song. And you, you're humming it for the rest of the book, and it's just you're going to make up your own words as you go. Really smart, too. Both the character, Doreen, is very smart in the way she takes out one of Marvel's classic villains. No, we won't say who yet. And it's a book that embraces its quirkiness in a way that doesn't seem forced or manufactured. It's just goofy. Go with it. Love it. And you're there. I, I agree, Stephanie. It, it, superhero Girl and this are definitely kindred sort of spirits. Yeah. Um, and going back to what you just said about the villain, too, without uh, giving anything away, it is the perfect first villain for her to yes. face. And um, I love, like, one of my favorite parts of this whole first issue was finding out that she's been squirreling away in Avenger Mansion's uh, attic <laughs> like a squirrel. Yeah. I, I don't have enough good things to say about this book. It is, it is delightful. Hella delightful. <laughs> I seriously bought two copies of this book physically, and I bought it digitally. I'm done. I swear. <laughs> Steve, what do you think of it? It's all right. No, I'm Shut kidding. Up. I'm so. <laughs> I just wanted to get a reaction out of you. I'm throwing down my gloves. <laughs> um, I really there. There's there's very little to be said that hasn't been said already. Stephanie and Bob both um hit the nail on the head. It's one of the most perfect issues that I've ever read of a comic 
I love its attitude. I love the delivery. I love the, I've never read anything squirrel girl ever. I know who she is because she pops up as kind of this joke in a way that like, Oh, you know, squirrel girl defeated this person, defeated that person. You know, you, she's going to come here and kick your ass and blah, blah, blah. But I never read those stories. I never got to see her do anything. And then this came on and like, who the hell, who is Ryan North? Do I know him or has, has he written written he did, other like, stuff? Adventure Time and stuff. This Adventure Time. He wrote Adventure yeah. Time. Wow, because yeah. that's a, that, that's an incredible talent to to have on this book because I I can't say enough good things about its delivery and handling of the character and it was just so I, like I said I was reading it on the on the train with headphones on so I'm all quiet to everybody else and then just cackling you know yeah. insidiously to myself about all these things that are written at the bottom of the page and it's about all of the little words like there's certain words that you read on a page and they set you off or things that you just find funny that other people might not there's this uh scene where she's jumping uh she's going down a chimney i believe of a house into the the attic and she just like leaps up she goes hup and whenever somebody does that in like a cartoon i crack up to see it written on a page I just die. It's like when like the big uh, the big crowd of, of uh, soldiers comes out and they march across the uh, screen like hop 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 stuff like that always sets me off. And this whole book had so much attitude. I think the um, the comparison to Lumberjanes is spot on in, in terms of humor and um, just being able to throw you in with a character and have you be immediately comfortable with who they are within the first few pages. Some number ones will spend the entire issue, maybe even into the next one, trying to tell you who this person is that's been in the Marvel U forever, but you might not necessarily know a lot about. And they did that with song and wrapped it all up in like a page and a half. And then it was, you know, you were in and it was go time. And, you know, along the lines with the new uh, Batgirl stuff and everything, there's just a lighter more fun like girls having fun tone to some of these books that are coming out and i think that that approach to these characters uh is really really working for comics whether it be out of dc or marvel um i think when they let the creators go nuts haha and and do what they want to do with these characters and don't rope them into something like spider woman being roped into the spider verse stuff it just it gives you a better chance to tell the story that you want to tell and to be a little wacky with it because this book is is wacky written all over it. So it's probably you guys in played Lego Batman or not Lego Batman, uh, Marvel Lego. Mm-hmm. You did you unlock her as a playable character? I did. I had so much fun because like all she does is just throw squirrels at people and has <laughs> yeah. super strength, and I was just like. I chose her for every mission. I, I just like, ah, <laughs> you know, the free to play online game, uh, Marvel heroes. It's like the, the I, I Diablo. Spider girl is a character in that too. And I mean, you want to talk about squirrel girl. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like you want to talk <laughs> about squirrel moves. Her, her ultimate is she calls upon all of these squirrels and the entire screen your entire screen fills up with just hundreds of squirrels doing you know multipliers of damage all over the place and it's hysterical Love so it. yeah she's great she's awesome. great really enjoyed it awesome what'd you think bobby you know i liked it i had the same the same the quality issue it's just my personal taste issue mm-hmm. it is delightful and it's incredibly witty but when i'm reading a month-to-month book i i for me personally i just need i need stakes that are happening in the book and i 
and there are stakes and we were on there's there's a lot of fun to be had and the villain that they seem to be setting up is uh, it's ridiculous yeah. and it should yeah. be amazing um but i need I, I i personally i need that kind of like story with a little more stakes to it that make me keep going like something like gotham academy or batgirl the, the story just has more forward thrust to me mm-hmm. than this does and for just if this was like a graphic if i was reading this in trade I would tear through it and, and love it. Mm-hmm. But to keep me wanting to pick up the book month to month, I just need something a little more. But the art is great. The story is delightful. Um, it's I don't I, I feel like when I said delightful almost sounds pejorative. It's not just like it's it, it has substance to it. And you know what Stephanie was saying about you know who Squirrel Girl is and the way she's portrayed in the art I, 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 and the scenarios that she in I, I think are, are are really important and are very apt. It's just mm-hmm. for me personally, I, I just I don't know if I'm going to keep reading it month to month because it doesn't draw me back. It's the same thing I have with Lumberjanes, right? Like which is a ridiculously smart, um, awesome book that I just could didn't have the 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 pull to go back to every month because I didn't feel the stakes from issue to issue and, and you just take your event and get out of here <laughs> um I'll, I'll say one more thing that uh about it i would really love to see i don't know if they would do this but it would be genius if they wrap this up in a in like a clear plastic package kind of like they do with the the digital combos mm-hmm. and each issue of squirrel girl came with one of these deadpool's guide to supervillain yeah, cards cool. yeah. yeah those are great how he'll how, like how great would that be to have a collection of those cards i think that would be awesome and maris wick is um wicks is the artist that uh did the cards not erica henderson and Oh my god, I love them. The cards are great. Yeah, I would buy a set of those in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realize that um, Boom and Marvel aren't teaming up anytime soon. But you know, with the comparisons that uh, of Lumberjanes, how great would it be for Lumberjanes and Squirrel Girl to like team up, have her like show up and just be like <laughs> in the woods and be like, "Sup, guys? <laughs> Hi." Well, the thing about this book is it feels like a boom book at, at Marvel. Yes. That's what it yes. feels like to me, which I, I think is great that, that their influence is spread in that way. Um, I just, it's so nice to see stuff like this coming out for all ages. Like, because, you know, and I, I, I swear I'm not trying to harp on the events and stuff, um, but like, you know, they're saying this is a great jumping on point for people. No, this is a great jumping on point for people for bringing in a new generation of readers. I and I completely agree with you, and I, I like the, the only thing. Some, but I, I think they're more saying like for like Spider Man. I know, <laughs> you know, but I mean, like <laughs> for people wanting to get into comics, like this is the stuff they need to be putting out for kids. Oh, absolutely, yes. and I, 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 and I'm not saying that one needs to yeah, exist yeah. without I, the other. I, know I think what both you're saying. should exist. I'm just like you know, yeah. I think Marvel thinking is very much like the DC New Fifty Two stuff, mm. but to me, you know. We shouldn't be trying to, I mean, we should be trying to get new grown-up readers, but without kids growing up with comics, who's going to read these after we're all gone? No, I totally you know? agree with you. Like, mm. totally somebody you. needs to <laughs> make these comics for kids, and especially if Marvel and DC, you know, want to, you know, keep existing and being top dogs. Like, there needs to be comics that get kids into comics. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I think I think that I think that like we said, where Boom is proving that there's a big audience there. 
you know, because I mean, as great as Image is, really, that's not their real house either. Their real house mm-hmm. is adult readers, you know. Right. Um, you so, have like the how tunes, but that's like <clears throat> one out of you know. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, it's you know, it's just like Marvel putting out like their like mm-hmm. animated universe books. You know, it's a, it's such a small sliver of what they actually do. Yeah. Um. So, and Boom is really the company that's really filling that, sure. you know, th- that space. And and I think that if they can prove. You know, I think Image proved that there is a space for really mature adult storytelling and all these different genres have a place, right? And I think mm-hmm. that's definitely leaked into the other companies. But now Boom is proving, once again, that there's a big market for, for kids as well. And, and so IDW I, as well is doing a really great job of that with, like, My Little Pony. Yeah, and absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Samurai Jack. But, Samurai Jack. All um, those licensed just, properties doing a great job with it. But I think that, especially something like Lumberjanes, which is an original thing, right? A lot of the, a lot of the other stuff is licensed stuff, which is great. But the fact that there's an original book that's also doing it, I think is showing Marvel and DC that there's room here for us to to get in there and, and make books like this and get people in. And I think that's really important. You know, I, I think that you're going to see this from now on. You're going to see the smaller companies who are able to shift quicker, m- do make the advancements, and hopefully the other companies will see those advancements and take them and apply them to these other characters, which, you know, the Marvel Universe and DC Universe still have a big draw. For, for young people and everybody, you know, but especially kids, a lot of kids are going to be more willing to pick up or interested in a book if it has that Marvel or DC logo on it. But so if you can make books like those boom books, but in the Marvel and DC universes, I think it, it's, it opens up a whole new set of doors. Look, you see little guys, little girls, mm-hmm. they're seven, eight and, and, and younger playing superheroes, playing with the action mm-hmm. figures, wearing the t-shirts, wanting the sneakers, and they can't read any of the books. Yeah. Here's a book where you can, cross this into the regular Marvel universe and give that little person, here's not only Squirrel Girl, but guest stars, and we're going to see other people moving forward, I'm sure. They're all over the cover. Here's their entrance. Maybe they can be shown kid-appropriate versions. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's the 60s ones of the Hulk or the Avengers, and they're there too. And you can then move everyone forward. You create the bottom of the sales pyramid again that Mm -hmm. has disappeared over the last 25 years. Yeah, yeah. And just, um, it just keeps leading to this fact that uh, hopefully, eventually, there are books for what everyone is looking for. You know, with, yes. throughout the, throughout the the spectrum of of titles that are out. I also just want to quickly mention, and it's not uh, uh, related to the unbeatable Squirrel Girl per se, but I think it came out the same week, and because of the horrific stuff that was happening around the world, um, it was really kind of just uh, swept under the rug. And that was Avengers: No More Bullying came yeah. out. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and just for anyone who didn't get a chance to pick this up, if you have kids or you know of kids, I think this is a really important comic for you guys to also go out and pick up because it's, it's meant to be in the hands of young people. Yes. Um, I really think it's a missed opportunity for Marvel that they didn't print this and distribute them to schools. Um, like I, I I hope they do maybe for like free comic book day or something, but, uh, if you guys haven't picked this up or seen it, it's only a dollar ninety nine off on Comicsology, and I just think it's a really great way to kind of promote that whole idea of don't be a dick. Absolutely, and mm-hmm. I, I think that yeah. if there are you know if there are people out there who are administrators and who get to decide what goes into schools, you know, I, I think I think that this is a book that you should be looking at and maybe trying to reach out to try to get copies of. Um, it's very interesting, right? Because Squirrel Girl is very much an all-ages type of book, right? It's meant for anybody to be able to read and to get something out of. Um, the thing about Avengers No More Bullying is it's very much 
aimed at it's a kid's book because um, the 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 dialogue in the language is 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 much on a, on a, a much lesser reading level right it's it's meant mm-hmm. to it's very big and broad and on the nose as opposed to the next chapter which is don't be an asshole in your work office right exactly which yeah, would be much yeah, more yeah. subtle um, yeah, yeah. so but it's still great the content especially i think the spider-man story is awesome yes and the honestly for the dollar 99 like the the last like three pages like that little story at the end weird i think it's called or i love that was my amazing favorite part of the book. like i almost started crying reading that story mm-hmm. uh, and that is like not that that can be read by anybody and, and it could affect you um i um, lo- love that last little story and as like an i i know i'm kind of just harping on the whole idea that i want this in the hands of as many kids as possible not just the kids of uh you know geeks mm-hmm. uh but like marvel if um if you guys are, you know, you work at community centers and schools or wherever and you can't buy, say, 200 copies of this book mm. to distribute to kids, maybe email Marvel and ask them for digital codes mm. because digital codes cost them yeah. nothing to give out to people. And, you know, all kids basically have computers and iPads and things nowadays. So it would be really easy to still get this in the hands of kids even if it's just in the form of a digital code yeah it's it's really awesome it's, it, it was it was great yeah you use the biggest characters marvel mm. has right now in terms of public per- perception guardians avengers spider-man to tell three different sorts of stories about bullying people who are just different mm. you know that spider-man can relate to a young boy being picked on for being the science nerd and it's just right there you get back to seeing flash and and, and peter interacting the way they did Art styles are very accessible. There's nothing too crazy, and, and the art and is really nice too. Really I, nice, I should yeah. say, like the, the 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 writing is purposely simplistic, but the art is not. The art is gorgeous. Yeah. I think for the most part, but not dumbed down. No, not just, dumbed just down. Lighter in character than the deep. Well, yeah, but you yeah. Can give it. You can give it to a. It's like an after school special type mm-hmm. of perfect. Yeah, think, perfect. you know. Yeah, it's, uh, it very much embodies that moment in Spider Man where he's uh, swinging around and sees the kid being picked on. Yeah, yeah, uh, and. Kids, they expect parents and, you know, their peers to step up and be like, oh, don't pick on Johnny, okay? That's just not nice. And, like, it goes in one ear and out the other sometimes because kids are just kids and they don't want to have to listen to a lecture. Like, they technically, I think kids, to a degree, know it's wrong, but some of them do it anyways. But I think sometimes when they're put in forms like this of characters that they can, that they admire... And things like that, like things tend to get through in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, well, if Spider-Man wouldn't pick on Johnny. Maybe I shouldn't either. Because that's how little kids are. All little kids are old <laughs> yeah. people. Now. Yeah, yes, apparently. <laughs> um, okay. Well, if I didn't pick on Johnny or if Spider-Man didn't pick on Johnny, neither should I. And they're all from um, the South. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just shut up. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, both Avengers No More Bullying and um, People Squirrel Girl are books that you guys should definitely check out. Um, on the on the the it's a very Marvel heavy show on the media side of things. Um, two really big things happened when we, we weren't here, and one of them I wanted to bring in quickly about, and the other one we'll talk more in depth about. Um, the Ant Man trailer or teaser, I guess, premiered um, to very very mixed mi- mixed reception. Uh, Bob, I actually haven't talked to you at all about it. I want to know what you what you thought of it. I liked it. Mm-hmm. I can't say I'm as in love with it. As when you saw the third Guardians trailer, mm. more the way I felt when I saw the first one. It was like, oh, there are possibilities, but I need to see it fleshed out more. I think 
and I know nothing. Is Paul Rudd is his mm-hmm. name? Yep. Yes. I've not. I don't think seen him in anything. I thought he was very effective, and it definitely had the Scott Lang vibe. The whole idea of he's he's a bad guy, but he mm-hmm. really is a good guy at mm-hmm. heart. That you saw Cassie, you saw the daughter. That they're going to go through those storylines. Mm-hmm. I think Michael Douglas is really cool. Yeah. I really hope they do flashback. I want to see some mm-hmm. '60s flashbacks. I want to see the the Wasp and whatever. And I was going to see it anyway. I think. Rumors of this movie being a stinker are unfounded. Right. I mean, it really looks like a high-quality piece. It, the tone is in keeping with the rest of the Marvel films, and it was not afraid to make fun of itself. No. And I think that it is going to be a flashback, because I think they've already said that Dominic Cooper and Haley Atwell are going to be in... Yeah. Are going to be in oh, really? and, Yeah, in, in flashback stuff. And we'll talk about Haley Atwell a lot yeah. more in, in a couple of minutes. Um, yeah, I mean, I felt very similar to you. You know, I feel like I wasn't blown away by it, but... I feel like they were holding back um, a lot of story elements and a lot of obviously effects that are not finished yeah. yet. Very few did we get. We didn't really see a lot of the size and scope and scale of what they're going to be doing. Uh, but I thought what, what I came away with was the performances really looked good. Like I thought that Rudd looked great. Um, I thought that Douglas looked awesome. I'm really really excited to see him. You know, do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't get very much of anybody else in it. You know, we don't really get much of Evangeline Lilly um, at all in it. But I love the idea that. I love that what he says about this isn't about saving the world, uh, our world, it's yeah. about saving their world. I, uh, I thought that was great. I think it's, it's a different idea, right? It's a, it's a smaller idea, but it, 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 in function, because they're going to be doing like basically one heist to mm-hmm. do this thing. But in a, in a larger sense, I like that idea that it's about making the world better for the people who are coming after. Um, anybody who knows the story of Scott Lang and Cassie knows there's heartbreak coming somewhere yeah. from one of those two things so we'll have to see what happens there but i'm i'm, mm. I'm excited because I, I really like both of them as actors and i want to see uh what comes of it and i, oh, think I feel s- like sorry Stephanie, go ahead no no I, for you like i feel like there's also like a bit of residual like bro because like every time you see the trailer and eventually the movie it's kind of like well what would have edgar wright's one might have been <laughs> like i feel like there's gonna be like this longing to be uh oh i wanted to see that one like as good as it'll be it's like, I bet you rights would have been better. I'm sad that Edgar is not doing it, but from all we've heard, that it would have been like completely like bonkers out of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Um, and what it was originally, because he started conceptualizing it something like before they did Iron Man. You know, so he it was like totally like supposed to be yeah. a standalone before they had this idea of doing like connect the universe stuff. I'm still I like I I wasn't really thinking about that. I just I I feel like I feel like they. I feel like the tone of the movie is going to be a lot funnier than they're than they're letting on for most of that trailer. Obviously, there's hints of it, right? There's yeah. the when he tells them, "I want you to be the Ant Man," yeah. and he's like, "Okay." <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> we do something about the name, yeah. yeah. Like that stuff, I think is going to be more prevalent. But I think they were trying to. They know, or they have a the marketing people have a fear that the name Ant Man is going to cause like chuckles or something. So this is not a joke. This is serious. Yeah. Even though mm. he's called Ant Man, this is serious. You know. So I think that was a lot of what was going on there. Um, Steve, what do you think of the teaser? I um I really really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot, and I I said this on Twitter, and I'll, I'll reiterate it here. Uh, you know, Marvel has done this thing where we've got lots of different movies for lots of different people. You have your horror, you have your gods, you have well, you will have your horror when Doctor Strange comes around, um, supposedly. But um, I find it interesting that people like Bob was saying there's a rumor that this movie is going to be a stinker. Movie hasn't even come out yet. Yeah. So how people know that I I don't know, but for me. You know, it looks very Cassie and Scott 
heavy from the trailer. It looks like it's really important to him and they're really going to focus down on their relationship. I would love to see that because if this is the Marvel movie that gets fathers to go over to their daughters, their little girls, and invite them to the movies with them to go and share this Marvel movie together and they they can have that experience together, then I think that that's fantastic. Mm. Um, I'm also, I, I like Ant-Man a lot. Um, I'll you know, talk a little bit about, about the new Ant-Man in a bit, but, um, tonally, like I, I didn't know what to expect from it because I had the Edgar Wright stuff in my head. I'm like, Oh, well, is it still going to be kooky? Is it still gonna be crazy? It was very dry. I thought, um, but that's not a, that's not a bad thing at all. Um, I'm not used to seeing Rudd in anything besides a comedic role. So even though he cracked a joke here or there, he just seemed very like downtrodden and they're going to they're going to go into that whole flawed superhero. I mean the whole reason that he even comes about the tech is from pulling one over and and stealing it. So I'm really curious to see how Marvel is going to present kind of like an everyman's hero. This isn't Captain America. It's not Thor. It's not Hawkeye. He's not a sharpshooter. He's a dude in a suit that can go small and can communicate with bugs. That sounds ridiculous because yeah. it is. But if there, you know what? If anybody can make it work, they'll make it work. And I think it's going to be very heartwarming. And I wouldn't be surprised if there are some tears by the end of it. Yep. So that's my take on it. <clears throat> very excited. Um, you spoke about the. Uh, what did you think of the New Man book? By the way, loved it. Loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, it's a lot of like what I said. I do find one one thing interesting. How did Cassie come back? That happened a while ago. Really? Yeah. How did I miss that? Yeah, I don't. I don't even. I don't know. Remember how it happened? But it happened a while yeah. ago. All right. Well, yeah. I, somewhere along along the the many books that we read, I missed that. But um, so what you have uh, here for Ant Man number one came out a couple weeks ago. Uh, written by Nick Spencer, with art by Ramon Rosanas and colors by Jordan Boyd. Nick Spencer is uh, Morning Glories and Superior Foes of Spider Man. This is very much superior foes of spider-man but focusing down on the one character but it's got that vibe even the artwork uh is slightly similar to that but there's something really cool about i i think anyway about how nick spencer presents his characters i love again that we're getting a flawed superhero in this book we learn a lot about scott about who he is where he's at currently uh, his old life with his wife and, you know, them not getting along, her not being able to handle his uh, chosen position. And he's just living dollar to dollar where other heroes are running around and probably given things by the city and always being held responsible for saving the world. And he's not Thor. He's not Captain America. He's not Iron Man. He's the dude. He's Ant-Man. And quite frankly, People, you know, laugh the name scientists within the Marvel Universe know who he is, but he's kind of got this skin to shed for for readers and for like a mass audience to kind of make him cool. And I think by making him very human and very super relatable, especially for older comic book readers, maybe people that have been through divorce, people that have lost their jobs, people that have found themselves, you know, living in an apartment that maybe they feel is beneath them or whatever, or having to go and pick up their kid from school and having the mother be like, well, you know, how'd you end up there today? Or like, why are you hanging around? Today's not your day. 
to pick up your daughter. We talked about this. And it's like, I just wanted to see my kid. Mm. I was walking down the street. You didn't even tell me what school she went to. And she just happened to be walking out of the building. And we were talking. That's all it was. And he gets grilled for it. And he gets judged for it. And, you know, as as a reader, I mean, I don't like that people doing that to people. But reading that and seeing that on a comic book page, I think is very smart in being able to present readers with someone different. Um, but he still does heroic things. And sometimes doing heroic stuff isn't necessarily stopping the bad guy, but being there for your daughter and figuring out a way to always be there for her and to always watch over for her and to do what you have to do in order to provide for her, even if it's under the radar. So um, Scott, for more of the book, Scott goes into uh, basically interview for, uh, with Tony Stark for a position uh, of security at his job. And uh, the book focuses in on uh, Scott trying to basically put himself in a different position to be more of a provider and more of a man than he starts out at the beginning of the book. And I think this is going to be an awesome journey. And it's a number one and people very easily to jump on. And if you liked Superior Foes or any of other uh, Nick Spencer stuff, this is him doing what he does best, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's cool. I mean, it's interesting because like he doesn't he, he gets the job, but at the end, he kind of like says F you to the job. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. Uh, it's a shame that it was $5. Yeah. Uh, yes. For a new that, series. That part, is, I do have a problem with that. But I think it's cool that they dropped it the same week that the trailer came out. It's no, it's no coincidence, obviously, right. that, that that happened. Um, I think it, it's very cool. It is going to uh, $3.99 next issue. Okay. Um, but I think it's cool that they, they're bringing the character back in a big way. Um, uh Stephanie, did you enjoy the trailer and did you watch the, did you read the book? Yes, I read the book and the trailer, like it didn't really, um, like I didn't feel that same sort of, this is going to be so much fun as I did when I watched something like Guardian. Right. Uh, But, you know, and I don't really just genuinely feel that hyped up for Ant-Man. But I do love Paul Rudd and Marvel hasn't done me wrong in movies yet really if we're you know taking out the hulk stuff um so i i'm i'm definitely curious i mean i'm obviously going to see it and i'm sure it's going to be you know awesome but at this moment like i'm not super excited and i think that's largely because it's been a lot of like just quiet moments Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know it's it's a lot more um you know, slice of life, it seems, mm-hmm. as opposed to action-packed. It doesn't have, like, the pizzazz of, yeah. like, the Guardians trailer mm-hmm. where it's... Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Like, this remix of this, like, silly song, and it's all these crazy, like, imagery. It's very You know, down, whatever yeah. whatever came after Guardians was definitely... Definitely had, like, a tough act to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, I mean, I, I'm just sort of indifferent right now, but I'm, I'm still obviously going to go see it. Right, right. Um... And then as for the comic, like, I thought it was solid uh, overall, but I kind of just, I, I, I'm not interested to read the second issue, uh, mostly because it just felt, I don't know, I didn't like Scott Lang. Um, I felt like he was just really irritating. I, I He just, everything was like him sort of apologizing and then kind of, doing everything all over again. Sorry, I'm a crummy human. Oh, I'm going to continue being a crummy human. Oh, should I take this job and be a crummy human or should I go 
be with my daughter. You sound like Butters. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and like he does do the right thing, but like it's like how many wrong things do you have to do to do one right thing? But and- I, I, I think that's like the appeal of the comic to some people because I feel like he doesn't do everything right. You know, he he. He has the right intentions a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. He just kind of is bad at life, you know? Yeah. Like, and I get that. Like, I get, yeah. like, you make a lot of mistakes. And I, I appreciate that sort of um, sci- realism that you put into a superhero book. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, for me, I didn't really like Scott Lang. So um, it would have worked for a character that, you know, I had grown to appreciate and kind of be like, oh, this character always getting into, you know. <laughs> shenanigans but so (laughs) endearing but like it's just kind of like a double whammy for me where I don't like the character so his redemption doesn't really mean a lot to me um, so far and I mean this is only the first issue um, but it just didn't leave me wanting more gotcha yeah all right I mean I really enjoyed it I thought I thought it was really cool Um, uh, you know I I do like the that's kind of takes that superior foes of spider-man like these people suck at what they do. Yeah. Um, kind of seat of your pants type of, I'm just like blindly trying to do what I'm supposed to do and I can't quite mm-hmm. figure it out. The way it's laid out is, I, I, it is makes similar. Me like the character. It makes me like the character Yeah. Um, for that reason. Uh, but yeah, and I think the trailer, like I said, was cool. Uh, something that, Stephanie, you are very excited about and that you do love is Agent <laughs> Carter. Yes. Tell me. Tell me why you love Agent Carter. So... On Twitter, I've been ranting. I know, shocking. <laughs> uh, but, like, I've been catching up on TV shows. And yesterday I watched Arrow. And today I watched Agent Carter. Um, and for me, like, I apologize that I'm not starting off with Agent Carter directly. But it just kind of ties into why I love Agent Carter. Um, but, you know, I, I really do like Arrow now. Um, and The Flash, I think, is great. But both of those shows while definitely having hit their strides, um, they really lack with female characters. Like, uh, Nyssa and Sarah are really good in Arrow, but then they were like, we can't have that! Uh, And the characters that are remaining, they're like, well, let's do some redemption with these people. Let's make them likable. And then they start making them likable, and then they're like, nah. Talk about Agent Carter! (laughs) No, but my point being is, I'm just sick of those characters. And Agent Carter... You know, after watching like seven or eight episodes of Arrow, Agent Carter was just like, it was like my eyes were opened and kind of one of these moments where this is how women should be written. You know, like she, the 40s aren't exactly a woman friendly time, uh, especially for somebody who wants to do more than being a secretary or, you know, actually work uh, as a telephone operator. And they showcase a lot of that. And showcase that, you know, she's not just fighting stuff in the agency, but also, you know, in the agency. Um, like, her co-workers not understanding uh, that she's capable and badass. Uh, and it just felt so relatable to kind of just see this woman uh, take strives to, you know get where she wanted in life. Uh, and it's so awesome. Uh, it really felt like Mad Men meets James Bond or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I was kind of thinking about it. It feels like a James Bond movie, but if uh, James Bond, like if the story followed 
a sexy badass Bond girl <laughs> uh, instead of 007. So, I don't know. Haley Atwell is perfect to me. I love that she's not your typical um, starved-looking Hollywood starlet. Like, she has curves. And she's not a big girl, but, like, she still has curves. And she is gorgeous. And she's still you know, kicks ass. Um, the story's great. Uh, I love, you know, uh, Stark being a part of it. And I'm, I've only watched two episodes. I know three are out now, I believe, or four. I think the it's just three. three. The fourth one airs tonight, right? No, they're on hiatus tonight. Oh, really? State oh, of the okay. Union address. Oh, right, right, right. So they'll be back next okay. week. Um, I know Flash comes back tonight, but yes. um, <laughs> yeah, like I, I just, I just felt like it, was nice to finally see um, superhero TV get a female character right. Bob, what do you think of it? Oh, I absolutely loved it. You hit everything right on the head, Steph. Added to that, you were talking about her coming back, you know, and the agency doesn't know what to do or they're, they're dismissive of her. That perfectly captures the post-World War II Rosie the Riveter those women who worked in those factories building planes and radios and all these sort of things, the war mm-hmm. ended and they were dismissed similarly. So yeah, it's like a they very... just, Go yeah, ahead. nobody gave them any credit for all the work that they, you know, did. It was just like that never happened. All right, so it's a very canny use of that backstory to create uh, feelings for the character from us to her, the understanding of the world she now lives in. And how she has to fight against it, as people did as you went through the post-World War II into the first wave, or the second wave feminism, you know, the, the women's lib movement through the late 50s into the 60s and so on. And you still have this great superhero, sci-fi, spy, and still filled with human moments. It's all mm-hmm. about the smaller things. There are big things going on. There are implosions and, at rocks on oil, and you get to see Captain America mm-hmm. in his demise, so to speak. I watched, I made sure that the same night that premiered, I watched First Avenger <laughs> so I could lead directly into it. And they so managed mm-hmm. a continuation. Um, Bob, did you know there's like a special cut that I think you can get from like eBay or something, but somebody has done a super cut of like the Marvel U completely chronologically. Hmm. So you can watch like all the Agent Carter stuff mixed in with the movies and uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and stuff, but it does like a super cut that like takes you from like the start to present. Wow. That's pretty cool. to find that one on YouTube or wherever the heck it yeah. is. Yeah. Sure. Um, but just tacking onto what you were saying, sorry, I'm not trying to no, go ahead. hijack this again, but um, like it, it just, I love that they didn't take that part of Peggy's struggle out. Um, you know, like it's just another part of her struggle. Uh, and you know, it doesn't, it bothers her, but she uses it to her advantage. Like, nobody's watching her because um, they think she's filing or doing, you know, lady stuff. <laughs> um, so, you know, she hates it, but she's just, like, she's stronger than that. And I really like that part of her struggle. Um, and I, I'm really happy they left it in because, it, you know, it would be unfair to take that away. Like, you know, I mean, all this stuff is obviously steeped in fiction, but there are realities in it. And um, the parts that are real make it that much more relatable to people who watch it. Uh, and I appreciate those par- 
parts. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Steve, have you been watching it? Yes. What do you think? I think it's wonderful. I really, uh, the first episode in particular, or the first two, they they merged them together. Um, that first presentation, I it's the only show, I mean, there's not, I guess there's a couple things to go from, but um, it's the first comic book show that I felt had theatrical quality to it. Everything else feels like TV. This doesn't necessarily feel like TV to me. Um, this feels more like something akin to Netflix, you know, and we're just having, instead of getting everything at once, we're just waiting for the episodes. But it's got, um, the cast is spectacular. And one of the things uh, that we didn't touch on is Jarvis. Mm-hmm. I really, really, Peggy is phenomenal. Haley Atwell is beautiful. And she just makes the, that role and that character come alive. But her chemistry with Jarvis and just his his proper nature with her kind of breaking those walls down for him and putting him in these, you know, dangerous situations and stuff like that. I really enjoy the two of them together on screen. Uh, love that Stark shows up uh, at the beginning to kind of lend a little bit more authenticity to the show. And um, it's a really cool thing to have and get to enjoy during like a break for, you know, their other flagship show to have this thing that we've been hearing about this for the better part of what, at least two, two and a half years what the development of it? I mean, it's been yeah. like a year, probably a little over a year. All right, I could have sworn it was yeah. longer than that. Um, but like, like Steph said, it's really nice to see a female character that, right from the get go, I was able to really enjoy and really get into, and didn't have to get over some of the hurdles. Like, I'm still watching Gotham. I'm struggling every scene with Barbara Keen. I'm, I'm dying on the inside. It's horrible. So to watch something like Agent Carter, it's like a breath of fresh air. And yeah. like, can we please have more of this? It's just paying attention to things and being smart about it. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's one thing. I mean, comic book shows have a little bit. Of, I mean, I'd say this. I think all the female characters in Agents of Shield mm-hmm. are, are done very very well. Um, I think that comic book shows in general have an issue with this, and comic movies obviously as well. TV in general is actually pretty good about this. I mean, ABC itself has a lot of shows um, that feature very strong female leads. But Agent Carter, uh, what I love about it, what I love about Haley Atwell especially, is I think Stephanie, I think you said this on Twitter about how she, you can tell that she loves doing what she's doing. Yeah. Um, there's that. And also, she's just like a very present actor. You know, like she... She has to talk in a in a in a mannered way that could be taken in a, that is very difficult to pull off, but it feels very authentic, you mm-hmm. know, coming coming from her. And you know, she she plays every shade and aspect of the character so well. You know, whether it be the pained moments, whether it be the the angry moments, the kick-ass moments, the the the, the scared moments, the, the character has every shade, and she plays everyone wonderfully. Mm-hmm. Um, I love her interactions with, 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 with the people around her. I mean, there's that great moment. I think it's the end of the first episode where there's that, um, that asshole diner the guy in the guy, diner, yeah. right? Where yeah. she like sticks a fork in his, in his chest and basically threatens to murder him if he doesn't stop being such an asshole, <laughs> which I think is, it's a, it's a good, fantastic moment. The first, issue, first episode, she jumps on like not one, but two roofs of cars while, while they're speeding, yeah. which mm-hmm. I think is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, but well, you know, I think like the diner scene too is like her, kind of subconsciously being like you know doing something for another person that nobody could do for her right in her office like it's kind of just like she's trying to what's the girl's name angie yeah yeah yeah. she's like 
you know, she's looking out for, um, you know, someone in a way that no one looks out for her. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the office kind of politics that are that are happening. You know. I, oh, my God. Chad Michael Murray. <laughs> I, I love that. I can't remember his name right now. He was in Dollhouse. Um, but the, the kind of the nice guy, the guy with the crutch. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that initial scene where they're in the conference room and he kind of sticks up for her. And then afterwards, she's like, I wish you hadn't done that. Can I ask you a question yeah. about yeah. that character? Yeah. He got hurt in a war, right? Yeah, World War II. Okay. What is going around the office that they're making fun of him if he's a war hero? Because they're jerks. That's the point. I don't like those guys. Well, you're not yeah. supposed to like, like them. That's the point. I know, but I feel so bad for him. I'm like, what did he do? Like, he's a he's a cool guy, and like, I don't know. It it takes me back to those those times when people used to pick on people for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, well, that, that's what's going on. The same thing what they're doing to her, right? And, and, you know, they they have a lot of similarities, and you can kind of see the the beginning, the seeds of something mm-hmm. growing between them. Uh, I think because of that, I feel like mm-hmm. she's out of his well, league. Um, <laughs> my one nitpick with it, and it's like not just a nitpick with Agent Carter specifically. Uh, it's mostly like a lot of shows, you know, like there's a lot of fight scenes like Peggy is on top of this car and she gets punched in the face like five times, you know, like that shit leaves bruises. I, I just wish every now and again, like um, the people behind the scenes wouldn't be afraid to kind of show that the, you know, fighting doesn't lead to glamorous ballrooms and dancing like people are like what the shit happened to your face maybe it's maybelline it's never the never the i mean whether it doesn't matter any character it's never the face like you'll they'll take off like their shirt and they'll have like all these bruises on their body but yeah it's it's not just specific to agent carter like no i know yeah i know you mean i I know what you mean yeah and like in the second episode she really roughs up her leg and they show that but you Mm. know next week she won't be walking with a limp and I, i i appreciate the realism in the show even more when you can kind of uh follow up with these characters actually being shown uh, that they're hurt. Like, actually, props to Arrow for doing that with Laurel in this mm. season. Yeah, um, she got beat up bad. Yeah, and she actually <laughs> has, like, you know, the bruises yeah. on her face oh, yeah. for several episodes. Mm. And I appreciate that because, you know, like, I, I to a degree, I kind of feel like these shows glorify violence in a way because, you know, not glorify it, but, th- like, you know, I run into my bed and I have a bruise that looks like <laughs> someone dropped an anvil on me. Mm-hmm. And I I kind of wish that people would show that fighting, you know, isn't a glamorous thing. Like, you don't get to go out to uh, the ballroom the night of a fight and look awesome. You know, you have bruises to cover up. Uh, and I, I want more of that to kind of just start showing up in... Um, Hollywood, not just with superhero stuff, not just with this show, but just, you know, make it known that bad shit comes from getting in fisticuffs. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things that that's a, gen- that's a general problem in all of yeah, yeah, cinema. Yeah. And I mean, it's one of the things that, um, right, that Matthew Vaughn talked about with Kickass, which was that people gave him a lot of crap for what he showed up. But he goes, I'm just showing that there is like, there is, think there's fallout from violence. Mm-hmm. You don't just walk away completely fine like there's blood and there's bruises and it's hospitals it's, it's there's hospitals it's disgusting like it's not like you know kick ass those heroes get beat up a little girl gets beat th- to the yeah. crap you know and that's they're showing you that he's showing that because there, there's there's weight to the violence then even though that movie is obviously ridiculous but mm-hmm. uh but yeah like i appreciate yeah. that stuff because yeah i mean the, it's all silly and ridiculous and people will be like i want to be a ninja regardless like <laughs> yeah. but 
at the same time, like, it's nice to kind of also portray that it's not, like, nothing good comes of fights. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there's a line for me, too, where I don't want it to be too realistic because I still want the kind of the fantasy aspect of yeah, 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 yeah. watching I mean, a show where people can do that stuff and then that's be why fine. I'm just trying to, like, make make it clear that this is very much a nitpick. Like, oh, I still yeah. love these shows. I just, there, there are um, things... As much progress as we have made in television over the last little while, uh, I'd really like those things to kind of start being integrated more and more, too. Mm. Yeah. Um, Bob, I just want to ask quickly, yeah. like, obviously, they put out the Operation Sin um, the yeah. ish, that fi- features Peggy as a lead character. I don't want to go to a whole big thing about it, but do you think it's something that if people are liking the show, they can jump into it? Absolutely. Even though you get her look is more the... Peggy Carter of mm. the old Tales of Suspense stories right. where she was introduced, but it does bring in Howard Stark. We're dealing with that same time period. It's a really nice beginning. Catherine Eminem does a great little story, lots of attitude, lots of fun nods to the other things, and you don't have to worry about it being so tied into original sin despite the trade dress on the cover that makes it look like it. Cool. It is not really about that. Just if you're enjoying the show, pick this up and have a good time. Nice. So it's sort of like, same thing I think with the Bitter March thing, right? Where if you liked... Winter Soldier, yep. you can go and read that and just get a good idea of the character. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, so yeah, I think that uh, I just want to say quickly. Um, I I don't know if anyone else has read it. Uh, Star Wars number one came out this week. I did uh, read it. You did read it. Um, I liked it. I think well, first of all, I think the art is gorgeous. The John Cassidy art I think is great, and the story is Jason Aaron's story is good. I, I don't have a ton to say about it, and I expected to, but I don't only because it's a good story, and I liked it. And I'll probably pick up issue two, but it didn't have like that new fresh feeling that i expected from it for whatever reason it kind of just felt like where dark horse left off that's exactly right i oh. I, I felt like this could have been an issue of the brian wood series which that's not a it's not an insult to this book because that's a, it was a very good series but i i don't know i, ex, I think i expected first of all, i was disappointed that it takes place i think between movies one and two um hmm. or not one and two four and four five. five no it's one and two um <laughs> So, I, and I think that's somewhere, I think that's what Brian Woods was doing as well. So, mm-hmm. it takes away a little bit of the stakes to me because I'm like, I know Han Solo's not going to die. Right. You know, I, Luke's not going to die. You're, you're playing with all these characters and no really new characters. So, I didn't, I, I didn't get super excited about what was going on. The scenario was cool, I thought. And, the, and again, I think the art was really nice. Um, but I, I, I don't know. It just, it didn't, it didn't feel special to me. For, for me, like the, the art, um, just... I mean, I, I appreciate that they look like, um, you know, the actors that portrayed them in the movies. Uh, but at the same time, like that look kind of gets tired to me. I kind of wish that more artists were able to take some liberties and kind of do something more stylized. Because I'm sick of seeing, you know, Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford constantly in the comics. And I get like they are the people like that's Those are the characters they want to see. But I'd love to see something like. And I know I, this is just me kind of throwing a random name out there, and I don't love this art, but even something like Javier Polito, like take a fun spin on Star Wars and accompany it with a great story uh, to go with it. Like, I just, I just want to see something new. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think there's a place for what this book is. I would also, but I would like to see something that deals with other characters mm-hmm. and something that isn't that in that universe but and You're i'm sure because Dar- there's a darth vader book coming yeah no i'm sure Dar- and i'm sure dark horse did a bunch of this i and, and people are probably screaming like there's all this dark horse stuff you could have been reading um mm-hmm. but just with this kind of this new start for the stuff i was hoping for something to go a little farther um and you're absolutely right i mean they do they're good resemblances of, of the people um but 
again, I, I think for me, I think I talked about this when we talk about licensed books in general, if I feel like I can get like that story somewhere else, it mm. doesn't draw me into the mm. comics, you know? So that's the only thing about that uh, for me. I don't have a ton to say about it. Steve, did you read it? I didn't, but I do have something to say about yeah. the, the resemblances. Um, I agree that it would be nice to, to have a change and to see maybe some creative license with the characters. But um, And this is just speculation on my part, but it might be that when they put the book on the shelves that a lot of like diehard fans of the series and of these characters, that the vast majority of them want to see those characters that they're familiar with, that they grew up with, and all of that stuff oh, absolutely. in those pages. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah absolutely. And, but on the other yeah. side of the coin, from a marketing perspective, walking on the stands and all of a sudden you see Harrison Ford, you see Carrie Fisher, you know who they are especially on that cover mm-hmm. in that position with the lightsaber and all of that stuff that you might even get like passerby appeal to come over and pick oh, up your absolutely. book. But I totally agree that it would be awesome to see, you know, outside uh, like the artistic confines. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's perfect for exactly the people that you're talking about. Yeah. And I consider myself a pretty diehard Star Wars fan. Um, but because I read a lot of comics, because it's in comic form, I, I guess I want something different. That's the only thing about it for me mm-hmm. that, that did it for me. Um, but I'll, it's a really good story and a really good art. It's just something about it did not click with me. Um, so if they had Chewbacca with sperm eyes. Yeah, exactly. You, okay. I want to read the, sperm eye Chewbacca. Um, the Mark Wade and Terry Dodson Princess Leia. Yes. That's I'm, what I'm, uh, I'm waiting I'm, for that. Yeah. And I'm waiting for the Darth Vader I am book. interested in that as well. Um, I, uh, I do want to say, too, I don't wanna, I'm not going to get into it, but... I have read now five volumes of Exo Man of War. Oh, wow. Um, I borrowed wow. them from Justin Townsend this, this past week. Um, I'm digging through. My plan is to go through a bunch of their major series and write write-ups about them and how I'm feeling about them. So um, I don't want to give a verdict yet because I'm not done with it. Um, right now I'm going through the Unity and Exo Man of War. Like they're tied in together, so I'm going back and forth between those. Nice. Um, but there have been a few characters that I've really, really enjoyed, and... Uh, and very much warming to the series. So I'll get into it more next week when I've kind of read through all of I that. am really excited to read. I hope it goes to trade soon. I believe five just came out. I really want to read um, The Death Defying uh, Dr. Mirage. It's really good. It's really That's good. That's what I keep hearing. Yeah. And I saw it was on, I think, Joey Esposito's mm. list. And I, I had it the other day, but like their trades are very, very generously priced mm. when they come out. And I try like, buying the individuals, you're looking at, you know, well over $20. It'll probably come out mm. for nine ninety nine, fourteen ninety nine. Mm. Right. Um, but when it, when it comes out, I am there. Yeah. It's, it looks great. And the story is very interesting. So I could definitely recommend that. Um, it's one of the few that I've actually, I actually read, uh, week to week. Cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, really quick, I just want to go over the, the the top ten books of the year, and then we're gonna we're gonna oh. get ourselves out of here. Um, so the, these are the top ten books of the year: uh, Amazing Spider-Man number one, five hundred fifty nine thousand copies; uh, Walking Dead number one thirty two, three hundred twenty six thousand copies; um, Rocket Raccoon number one, three hundred ten thousand copies; Death of Wolverine one and four. Uh, Number one sold 274,000 copies. Number four sold 170,000 copies. Number six best-selling book of the year, Thor, number one, 166,000. Wow. Number seven, Original Sin, number one, 154,000. Um, the other two issues of Death of Wolverine at number two and three, both at about 148,000. And number 10, Superior Spider-Man, number 31, at 141,000. Those are the top 10 books oh. of 2014. Six of the 12 months, Batman was the best-selling book. Um, two, the two other two months... It was uh, Amazing Spider-Man. That's the only one that was a double um, for, for that. Uh, so, yeah. So, th- that's it. And uh, 
the comics were up just 0.25 percent uh, from from year to year. Okay. So small amount of growth, but it's basically stagnant over over, over from year to year. Um, so yeah, uh, that's the the top ten books of the year. We can get into more of the this month's sales numbers uh, mm-hmm. next week. And really quick, I know Stephanie. When we were starting, Stephanie sent me a message on Skype. Um, they just announced a new Fable screenwriter. Yeah. Correct. Okay, oh, wow. so. I, when I was visiting Bill, we were like going over like discussions about the Fables movie, and this is on the record, so I'm not spoiling, you know, like NDAs. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and it just got like officially announced. But the guy that's current currently murdering Fantastic Ish Four uh, was set to write the Fables um, movie, and I was kind of like, I'm sure he'll do a better job. I'm sure it's gonna be great. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, nope. <laughs> uh-uh, there's no way this could uh-huh. be good. Um, with him on board. Uh, the rest of everyone is great. But then today, today, they announced that Jane Goldman is going to be the screenwriter for the Fables movie. And I'm stoked. <laughs> like, hello, like, best possible scenario ever. She wrote, um, well, she wrote... She X-Men was, First Class, X-Men, uh, The Kingsman, which is out next month. Yeah. Which um, is apparently amazing. Uh, Stardust. Um, oh, that's amazing. Gas. Yeah, she's, like, Matthew Vaughn's, like, partner as far as, like, writing and producing and stuff like that. Hmm. Uh, like, my dreams have all come true. And, like, you know, me actually working for Bill Aside, I'm a huge Fables fan. And I have been, like, forever... So, like, on a professional and personal level, this is massive for me. And I found out through, like, um, just, like, a retweet. And I was like, why did anyone tell me? <laughs> it's like, you all suck. You all suck at telling me stuff. <laughs> um, like, I'm like, I was just there last week. Do you not think anyone could have told me this? <laughs> um, but, like, I'm so, so excited. And, like... Everything now is like running through my head. I'm just like, if they get casting stuff right, this movie will be perfect because the director's awesome, the producers are awesome. Like, the Harry Potter producers, what? <laughs> who's, uh, who's directing it? Yeah, Nicola Nikolai Arcel. Oh, okay. Yeah, you guys, everyone knew this before me. I'm the worst professional ever, but I found it out like just before the podcast, and I was like, Bobby, I need to talk about this. And so you have. I have. Spoilers, everyone. <laughs> Spoilers, you've talked <laughs> about it. Um, so, yeah, so uh, if you guys want to get in touch with us, please, at Talking Comics on Twitter, um, fa- Facebook.com slash Talking Comics, and TalkingComicBooks.com is the website. Make sure you go there for all the reviews and columns and, and uh, podcasts that we have, uh, our, our plethora of, of podcasts. Um, tons of new columns and yes, original articles. Absolutely. Um, and you'll see a lot of that in the, in the coming uh, weeks and months um, from from talking comics, um, we but of course with the, with the podcast we've got the misfits with our uh, with our very own Stephanie Cook. Hey, we have book club next week. Um, and you're doing The Martian, is that right? Yeah, by Andy Weir. We're going to be recording. Um, what? <laughs> I said I follow you guys on Twitter. Well, I'm telling everyone else. Like, no, I know. I'm saying I'm, I, I was giving myself uh, a point for n- yeah, remembering the book you, name. You guys are. Yep. <laughs> uh, Andy Weir. It's really great. So if you guys have read it, you should join in. We're doing a Google Hangout on Sunday at 7.30 Eastern Time. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and what was the the show that came up this week? Uh, we did a listener questions show. Cool. So 
we just answered stuff. Awesome, awesome. Um, you check out uh, Talking Movies with Brian Verderosa. Uh, they, they did their top five movies of 2014, and um, they're coming up in their 50th episode, and they're going to do like a three-part thing where they go through their top 50 movies of all time. Uh, both of them. Oh, so, whoa. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big one. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Talking Valiant with, with Adam Shaw. Um, make sure you check that out. And, of course, we have our very own Talking Games. Steve Say, Justin Townsend, Jackie Turner, and Rob Newmeyer. That's right. Um, first regular show back. Yeah, this is uh, post our Game of the Year awards. Uh, congratulations to all those winners. We are doing a what the hell did you play during the month that we <laughs> had off. Uh, lots and lots of stuff talking about games that we played for the awards and outside of that as well. Cool. Awesome. If you want to get in touch with us personally, I'm at Bobby Shortle on Twitter. Steve. Mine is at dead underscore anchorus. Stephanie. I'm at hello cookie. Bob, your email address. Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. And Bob, you had something you want to talk about. Um, yeah. A comic book shop owner. Yes. It's here locally. It's a story. Mike Bradley, who owns Collector's Kingdom in Huntington and has for 30 odd years, uh, worked there first and then purchased the store, lost everything in a fire that burned down the entire shopping center, basically, he was in. Put it on Kickstarter. And as we've seen in, in our own little world, you know, the comic community, we band together when there's something bad going on. And he's already open in a satellite store basically across the street from where he was. And he's getting books again and starting wow. to put it back together. So best wishes to him from us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that's going to do it for the Talking Comics podcast uh, for this week. For Steve. Ciao. Bob. Happy birthday. And Stephanie. Bye. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics. To be continued. Continued.